0: One, two, (laughs) three, four. I won't deny it. I'm a South Sider. You don't want to mess with me. Got the police looking for me. But I'm calm because I'm smoking that CBD. said I won't deny it. I'm a South Sider. You don't want to mess with me. Got the police looking for me. But I'm chilling in the back of the VIP set. We won't deny it. We are outsiders. You don't want to mess with us. Got the police looking for us. But there's nothing that they can't do when you're chilling with the Blessed Life podcast crew. What's up? What's <laughs> up? What's <laughs> good? Bravo. Bravo.
1: Has anybody ever beatboxed that?
0: Uh, they've tried and it actually fucked me up on really? my rhythm, so I just went with it, but y'all could have snapped your fingers or bobbed your head to it. I was, I it. was
1: bobbing my head and I was snapping my fingers. I just don't want to admit, you know, that you have a nice beat there because you're a solid sider.
0: Okay, you don't want <laughs> to admit that we can do anything, right?
1: <laughs> I'm Brian
0: Tierney, this is the Blessed Life University podcast, The Blue Podcast for short. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the Midland Corporation, which is a trucking company, Mm-hmm. Here to talk with me today about that is Lisa Vargas and her sister Maria, who is the owner.
1: Yes, co owner.
0: Co owner. Mm-hmm. Who is the other owner? My husband and my brother. Husband and your brother. It's yes. a family it's a business. business. Cannot get out of it.
1: Happy <laughs> Sunday, y'all.
0: Happy <laughs> Sunday. Um,
1: Happy St. Patty's and St. Joseph's Day.
0: Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> We're got we representing for, for all the people on the holidays out there. Um, first of all, you know, everybody's Irish on St. Patrick's Day. It's all good. We all have fun together, uh, especially here in the city of Chicago. It's a really cool thing, very mm-hmm. inclusive. St. Joseph's Day, we, f- we feel bad for the Polish people because I think that's their day and, uh, you know, not as widely celebrated as St. Patrick's Day. Like, the Irish people get to be fucking fun and uh-huh. out there jumping up and down in the fucking streets, and then the Polish people <laughs> are all serious. <laughs> they Having actually go to mass. And going to church. They know? go to mass. Just like that, whatever they do. But, uh,. But anyway, no, for sure, for sure. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Um, you know, we're we're here on Sunday. St. Patrick's Day was Friday. But, you know, everybody apparently is still partying for the weekend. The sun is out, but it's still cold out
2: there. Yeah, it
1: is. it is. They're recuperating also. Probably. Yeah. We yeah. got to keep these Drink fucking vampires inside <laughs> when the sun's out. You know, Mexico, they celebrate St. Joseph Day, too. There's a, at least in the region where we're from uh, today, there's a lot of, uh, they celebrate with what they call coleaderas is like uh Coleaderas. Coleaderas.
0: Mm-hmm. What it,
1: is that? It's a sport with cows. You kind of, the whole purpose of it is, uh, it's like, I think, a 50-meter or 100-meter wall where you're in your horse and you got to try to knock down the cow. It's a sport. Mm-hmm. You're on your horse mm-hmm. and you have to n- n- try knock, to knock down a cow. You grab the... C- so you and the cow come out at the same time and then you got to try to grab the cow's tail, wrap your foot around it, and then try to knock it down.
0: Wrap your foot around it
1: around the tail, mm-hmm. around and the tail, around the tail, and of knock the it down and knock it down. I would yes. think you would
0: pull it, maybe or drag. Yeah, you. you, you
1: drag so the first, the first thing is, you know, the horse and the and the cow are both running at the same time, and you got to do this within a certain meter. I think it's the fifty meter line. And obviously, the closer you do it towards the beginning, the the better you are at it. But yeah, you try to catch. The, that's the first thing. You try to catch the tail of the cow. Then you have to wrap your leg to have, unless you have a lot of upper body strength that you can knock it down with your upper body. But usually they'll wrap their leg around and try to use all of their body to knock without falling from the horse.
3: And first of all, you have to catch, be able to catch up to the animal mm-hmm. and stay at close range to be able to get the tail and it's knock pretty, it
1: down. It's a pretty, it's a pretty uh crazy sport. They've there've been some accidents.
0: That sounds like it makes me think a lot of thoughts at once. Yes. First of all,
1: I don't know why they celebrate. I don't Same know which Joseph. one I
0: want to to, to mention first, but we're, It sounds like animals might have been hurt Eggs, in the making was, of this activity. They, so there's a lot of people out there yes. that are probably like, "Oh my god, we need to open up an investigation into Mexico. They're doing well, this stuff down there where they're knocking over cows and they get hurt, and it's for entertainment."
1: I'm sure PETA has already gotten involved, because I think, like, in Mexico, in uh, the city of Mexico, the Plaza de Toros, I think they already, like, they don't do that there anymore. They're a little more liberal. Yeah. But when, if the cow dies, they, you know, they do kill it, and they, they eat the cow. You know, they they kill it. Uh, they don't, it if it's hurt. Yeah, it doesn't go to waste. But, yeah, I can see why people would get mad. I, I personally don't like it. I mean, I, it, I'm on either end, you know, it's, like whatever, but I have seen that when if a cow dies, whoever knocked it down has to pay for it, the owner because they're you know they're somebody's cows, and then they kill it and they they usually feed all of wherever ranch because you know it's little towns, you know thirty forty houses some of them are a little bigger, but they'll kill it and then they'll feed all of the ranch the next day with with the cow.
0: So if the cow dies during this activity. Mm-hmm how is it is it when they fall there's like blunt force trauma to their head and it just literally kills them because their brain hits a, a fucking it could be some, inside of their skull so uh, hard from it's, yeah
1: it's pretty
3: brutal that's the truth it, it, I don't, I don't it like could be several things
1: yeah she could break her a leg one of the legs or or he or she um they prefer i think males i think and and young ones
0: well, this is going to show you how much how little I know about like cows and stuff. <laughs> I thought male cows were bulls. They are. So but they have they have bulls out there too. A bull will fuck you up mm-hmm. or your horse. Well, that's
1: why so I, I think that's why they don't pick bulls because yeah, they they're use a much. Because
0: they... it's supposed to be not as challenging as trying to do mm-hmm. it to a bull. A Bull. Good luck. You need mm-hmm. a gun to stop that. No, <laughs> <you> know, and, <laughs> and, it, and
3: it's also because it's a business, so they want to have the the females to be able to reproduce and have yeah. more baby cows. So
0: so somebody enters their cow in this fun St. Joseph day this is how they're out and say we're going to fucking knock over God's creature <laughs> <laughs> and then if it dies if the they have to pay the owner so the owner put their like their their fucking top notch cow in there or whatever and then you have to pay the owner, and then everybody gets to eat some cow. Like you have yeah, to basically. Some, no, not not food now.
1: It. You have to explain the horse racing events, Marty. Oh yeah, and then you know, and then the other half is some other people do horse races. There's actually there's been a high uh, American quarter horse being sent from the United States to Mexico, because they are very good racing horses. Um, so now the events they and I think it has a lot to do with you know how much uh, how much the cows were getting hurt. Cows in the area that we're from, they're the number one source of income. So, you know, a lot of people started saying, hey, I'm not going to take my cows out there. You know, they, they they export them to the United States. So that's that's a source of in- income for them. And although they would get paid, some of them would get hurt, and they would know they're, they're hurt till a couple of days later, you know. So then it started shifting from coladeras to horse races, um, which is a little less dangerous, you know, but still... In Mexico, horse racing is not as regulated as here, or at least the unofficial horse racing. And so, you know, they the horses sometimes uh, they can also become dangerous, where the jockey can't stop the horse and he falls off. You know, some of these people who own the race tracks, some of them are very. They try to be, you know, have safe uh, a, a, an area where you could stop the horse because you know. The races, depending on the length of it, you need a certain amount of space to stop the horse. And so some of these places, they have a very small acreage, you know, farm or whatever, land, wherever they have, wherever they own the racetrack. Yeah, it's
0: like somebody's got the land, like, hey, we got the land, like, right? we got the fucking horses, like, let's do this shit, and they do will. race. And yeah, then, like, that's... Bro, that. you need, like, another 50 yards, man, so that horse down. So,
1: reach. yeah, we... Uh, so my dad has a racetrack in Mexico. That's how we know a little mm-hmm. bit about it. And so our... My dad's racetrack's actually... The only, ra- actually, the second registered racetrack in the state, and that's all because I, I was, I was the one who helped them out to get the certification. So they Where, where's that at? In, uh, in Durango. 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 Santa Durango. Maria del Oro, Durango. Okay. Yes. And so you have to get registered with uh, the federal government over there, um, and they they take satellite pictures of of your area wherever you say, and then you have to have that certain amount of area that for stopping. There can't be any buildings around there. Th- there's a lot of regulation um, for it to be approved. Is, it's difficult, but luckily my dad had enough land, you know, to to be able to have all the requisites that they they needed to to be able to do an official racetrack. So and your so. dad's
0: like a important over there like people are like oh no I think he like, has the whole racetrack and that's where everybody goes to like they know him race and shit.
1: <laughs> no they know he's him over
0: there with cigars and fucking no nice not like that <laughs> no
1: not like that he's right? got
0: the friggin best tequila coming in from Jalisco
1: no I, we, like we, we like, would uh, like uh, to get to that point you know where it's uh, my dad's an old timer and so he's he's not um the new culture of at least here with the Mexican-Americans uh, the family now gets involved. Because they used to be like a kind of like a man thing to do. Women would never go to horse races. Women, you know, the, first of all, it's the whole mentality of the woman hit stays home and the man is out. You know, he gets to have fun and stuff. But, um, so my dad's kind of stuck in the middle of that culture because he came to the United States when he was fairly young. Um, and so... He, I tell him all the time, Dad, you're missing out on, on all this new generation of, you know, families where the whole family goes to these types of events. Um, and, yeah, he he's still kind of stuck in the middle of, you know, why are these women here? But, you know, the mm-hmm. alcohol consumption doubles when you take women, when you cater to women and children. So I tell him, you know, we have to make, you know, games for kids to make it a family-friendly environment where it's not, you know, just guy you know yeah, yeah.
0: i imagine having a, fa- a family friendly environment is a decision that has to be made ahead of time and um enforced in some way yes. so you're probably gonna have to have some security there like yes hey sir if usually you can there have is. your beer or your tequila without causing a problem or mm-hmm. swear like you know being violent to your family or something while you're mm-hmm. here then yeah that's totally fine but if you get people like shit breaks out there it's like dude you gotta get the fuck out of here like we have security here at the baseball games and all that shit too you get out of line you're gonna get thrown out
1: you know I I, Mexico or at least the region where we're from where my parents are from they're still very respectful mm-hmm. you know it's not respectful of the family yes yeah. Yeah. there is you won't see as you know as many fights as many disres- you know that's the, good yeah mm-hmm. so it's still and and I think a lot of it also has to do with the cartel involvement yeah um in the events because you know they'll go they'll be there they won't bother you at least the region where we're at they try their best uh to keep their problems within you know them and their enemies and so they'll go because they want to go have fun but if they see people getting out of line
0: they kind of police it a little bit
1: exactly and plus the police because it is because it is a registered uh racetrack my dad has to hire the municipal police to go and so they will be there. Yeah, sometimes they're at the entrance. Sometimes they're just driving around. Because um, because it is a registered racetrack, sometimes the Mexican military, they're doing their rounds around the to- uh, in the towns. And so if they get there and the police is not there, then my dad can get in trouble, You know, maybe even get his his registration pulled. So he Suspend has to it have. Or some kind of penalty. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. has to have.
3: And, and I feel like everybody knows their boundaries, mm-hmm. and then it's more like it's more like uh, everyone knows each other in these towns. Mm-hmm. So they pretty much have respect for each other at these events, and mm-hmm. even if like um, I, ca- I, I kind of feel like it falls down into that point where everybody just res- learns to respect each other. Mm-hmm. It's not like here. I think we need to. I think we need that type of system here. <laughs> well,
0: I think one of the issues that, that, that we face you know is you have a loss of society in large populations um so like here you know we're probably about three million people more or less in the city of chicago and so like you're just trying to get past that person you don't see them as human as much you're just like they're another person that's in your way and then you know it's a patchwork of people from the good the bad the ugly to the assholes right and like you have to deal with all that when you're outside um, whereas if you're in smaller town, America or smaller town, Mexico, mm-hmm. everybody it's kind of police because like everybody knows everybody mm-hmm. and they talk, right? My friend mm-hmm. was telling me about this as well. He's telling me that you know, over there they they have property as well, and they'll go there, and it's like if you start buying too much property, they think that you're maybe doing some illegal activities mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. So they all kind of know each other better. Now. Granted, I'm saying this in Mexico, has some of the largest cities in North America, right? Like Mexico City, what is it, mm. 10, 20 million people? I um, uh, yes. Something like that. I think and it's then,
1: like the third largest city in the world. Some, it's one of them, it's a b- very mm. big city in the metropolitan then, area.
0: And then you also have, like, in Guadalajara, Guadalajara, Guadalajara like there's another next 10 million people around mm-hmm. uh, Guadalajara, I think, like, not in the city itself, but surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. I hope I'm right in what I'm saying, but I don't just want to like actually have to look that up on my phone while we're doing this. I want to keep the flow going. I just need Matt back. He looks up everything on the laptop. <laughs> but um, you're
1: right. I, I'm, it's either Guadalajara or Monterrey, uh, but they're the top three cities there. You're right.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of people too. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you think, do you have experience in those places with Mexico? Do you think that the more people that are around us, the less courteous people are, the less they know each other, or is there a different set of values? In Mexico, where people are just—they're respectful no matter if there's ten million people around or, 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 or you know five hundred in a small place.
1: I think Lisa's better to answer say I've been to Guadalajara, but only in the airport. You can
3: tell, but uh, yeah. I think it's hard to tell though because we would have to live there. I we would have to vacation there and stay in 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 the core areas where, um, obvi- yeah, yeah. yeah, we wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to tell because, but,
1: but you can still even in like Guadalajara. People still, you know, Buenos Dias, like, good morning, and, you know, whereas here, my sister, she lives in Texas, small town Texas, uh, Del Rio, Texas, and even when she comes here, Mm -hmm. like you said about Mm -hmm. small town versus big city here in America, when she comes here, she's like, man, everybody always looks pissed off, everybody's, you know, so rude, driving, and because where she's at, you know, everybody's, hi, good morning, miss, what can I do for you at Home Depot, you know, the employees at Uh Home Depot are super nice and i do see that you know the closer to the border you get or a small town even the smaller size yeah the, everybody's so happy so you know it's like a different life and very polite yeah yes. i've noticed that Courteous. too in actually
0: both places i was in guadalajara for a wedding in 2018 and what i what i seem to notice is despite the fact of like a ton of people and the traffic being really bad, like if you're trying to get out of the city and get to somewhere else or get somewhere else back in the city there's, the traffic is bumper to bumper for miles and miles and miles, but people just go along at that pace and they're not fighting with each Mm -hmm. other, cursing each other, I didn't see any road rage Mm -hmm. or any incidents of that people just, they understood that that's the pace you're going to be moving at and you just went along with it here on the other hand you see people weaving in and out driving they get pissed off like i saw a guy riding the shoulder the other day he was cutting in and out of people and like only getting ahead of one person i'm like like it just was crazy to watch like dude you're not really gaining much you know distance and you're also being a complete asshole and endangering other people like by barely almost like not getting in front of them hitting their car and all this i what i would guess if i had to guess a reason as to why it's different from that heavy of traffic in, in guadalajara and jalisco to heavy traffic here in Chicago is just the corporate demands and the busier pace of our lifestyle with you know, the phones ringing constantly, there's always mm-hmm. input, there's a million billboards like just pumping information mm-hmm. in your brain while you're doing this and you gotta be there, you're gonna be late, or you gotta get the kids and you're running back here. Like in Jalisco, I'm guessing maybe it's it's not as corporatized as is here where you're like, mm-hmm. I gotta get there to get to the man. Like the only people understand it. Life happens, it takes longer to do some things or longer to get places and they're just more calm about that here. Everybody's freaking the fuck out. it's like this crazy society we live in here.
1: I lived in Mexico for a year, a year and a half almost, um, a couple of years, uh, maybe like, to, what was that, uh, 12, 13 years ago, and it was right at the heart of when the cartels were fighting each other for, you know, the the boundaries, and I, I like picked the worst time to go because it was, uh, in the region where we were from, there used to be a lot of, you know, social life, um, a lot of events, and I got there right when everything stopped. Mm. So it, every, everybody everything, everybody was at changed. home. Everybody. What? Was this was around the time of COVID, or what? No, no, no this was twelve years oh, ago. Oh, the, the cartel cartels. Was yes, right. it was. They were fighting. They were kind of like redistricting, you know, yeah. gerrymandering. This is our <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It we was like this redistribution yeah. of uh, power. You know, who was going to be the leaders and stuff. And it was very violent. I mean, you would see in the little town where uh, my parents are from, you would see people's heads cut off, and you would, you know, everybody would call it, because it was, I mean, the town where they're from, the big town, is maybe like 50,000 people, including the metropolitan area, and so it's not that small, but it's big enough, you know, and these heads, they would just go and get this person and then everybody would know, you know what, don't come out because they just found this person.
0: And the head would be like laying there yeah. on the ground or yeah. it would be on a stick or on a post or no, something. No, on they a ground. Just, like, put it on a spike, like but old you... school, you know, <laughs> no. some tribal shit, like the head's on a fucking spike. No. That could be you <laughs> if you fuck up.
1: <laughs> well, but that was the message. And, and so the cartel from a lot of, and it's, again, this is stories, you know, you know, they, they would, they would say, well, this lady, cause I remember, I vividly remember this lady, uh, they kept telling her she needed to leave because she was with, uh, you know, the wrong people. They kept telling her you need to leave. You can't. They gave her. A ch- they gave her an opportunity for her to leave, and she defied them, and they cut her head off all of a sudden. Let's um, put a
0: pause for just a moment. <laughs> for you. Woke motherfuckers out there that think shit's rough here. Do you hear that? <laughs> yes. They're cutting off heads, damn it. This is part of the everyday life in society during these times just, over there. Just for hitting People are own. like upset about some minor ass shit here. Doesn't mm-hmm. have to do with anybody getting fucking decapitated. People <laughs> are getting decapitated in other places.
3: Yeah, but you see, this is this is also what keeps order, though. I think what's happening here in I Chicago know, but... is that no, I'm saying like, I mean, what I'm saying is that there's no respect for authority. And so that's why in Mexico, in these little towns, people respect. I mean, I know they're respecting the wrong individuals. Yeah, I was going to say that. But there's a heavy respect. Like, everyone knows not to question shit, not to ask, but, like, on the other hand. Not to
0: cause problems and be defiant. Right, Right.
1: and I think it's also the lack of, because there's a lot of lack of education out there. And so I, I think it's good in a way. But then there's, you know, there's a lot of people that don't know any better, you know. And and that's what what sends a lot of people to work for the cartels because they're the only ones paying a decent living wage, you know. And that's the sad part of it. Like, it could be a country where they don't rely on these people to make a living. You know, it's either you were born into money out there, um, you know, or you have family that lives in America that sends you money, or you join the cartels. It's one of those three. Um, and you know the gap, just like here, the gap between the rich people and and the poor people is, is very you know, it's a big gap in between. So what happens is these people, you know, they they go and and they work for these these people, and sometimes they're little kids. They're you know they're the lookouts. They don't they idolize these these people, you know, and I can see where where kids you know look at it as it's something good because they're the ones driving around the nice trucks. They're the ones with the power. They're the ones that, you know, If you, they say to be quiet, people listen to them. They don't have role models uh, like, like we do here. Um, and I think that the education has a lot to do with it. But back to the conversation when I was out there, people were very nice, genuinely nice. Uh, I, my daughter went to, I put her in a public school out there and the for lunch you know Mexico doesn't that's the other part of problem, problem the, the corruption within the government so the, the school wouldn't provide lunch every family once a month had to provide the lunch for your kids classroom and so you know here I am an American with I had never experienced the education system in Mexico and they're far more advanced than we are here my daughter was uh, already learning Things from second, third grade, over there in kindergarten, and so you know, I was amazed at how like the subjects they were um, talking about, and and how family was a huge value, and anything that they would do, they would do it as a fa- as a community. Um, you know,
0: I crave that so much yes. here. Yes. We've lost that here. I think We've, that's another yeah, problem. Yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. There used to be more community events like uh-huh. the little Easter egg hunt for the kids and it yes. would be like everybody came together and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And uh it still goes on, but um I don't think it has the same It seems more superficial here than it does like in those places. of like no, fuck that. We're not doing anything else no. today but just that's the whole day. So we're just out there with the kids doing that or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? And and you know what they do also that When we as Americans, we go in there and judge them. So their days start at 9 o'clock in the morning. That's when everybody is barely opening their businesses, you know, mom-and-pop shops. 9 o'clock, and at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, everybody, all the stores, there's very few stores that stay open, like the corporate stores stay open. But at 2 o'clock, from 2 to 4 o'clock, everybody goes home and eats together as a family. That's another thing that I was like, wow, this is.
0: Countrywide or just in certain regions? I
1: think it's certain regions, though. No? I think it's certain regions, yeah. But even there in, in Durango, we would always, even in the city, we would go to the city, of the capital of Durango, which is bigger. Um, we would go, and, and a lot of stores still followed that, you know close from two to four. So you would know. Two to four,
0: and then they would work a little bit after. They that would or take that was multiple
1: breaks during the day <laughs> <through> the <days laughs> to the point where we couldn't find a plate, a spot open to eat, which is like so annoyed. It's crazy. Yeah, they would close it. They would close from two to four. Come back to work from four to like six, and then that's it. And we would hate it. Like me, every time I go, it's like I'm stuck in the middle <sighs> because I work. So when I go to Mexico, I still work. I work from I work from home here in, the, in Chicago, and um, when I go to Mexico, I'm still working. I'm I a, I do you do it remotely or whatever? I do remotely, yeah. yes. I, you know, I haven't had a real vacation in 10 years. I haven't.
0: I'm, we got something in common, sister. <laughs> let's talk. I, I bring my work with me, too. I, I, mm-hmm. I leave town. I'm just like, it's this, this. people are calling me on vacation. I'm like, I'm working from a different location. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually on vacation right now. I'm still working. It's. I want to enjoy God's shit. Uh, it's like in front of me out there, and I can't.
1: You just want to wake <laughs> up <laughs> at 11, 12 o'clock in the afternoon without worrying about somebody calling you. I can't with sleep that long that. anymore. <laughs> me either. The REM sleep.
0: What I do now is I get to... I get to bed earlier, and then I get up earlier, but I, I'm getting a good seven hours or whatever. You know, I've been That's one thing that I've been good about is not really – I'm always trying to make sure. There's a couple of days where if I'm super busy, it'll be like six, six and a half. Mm-hmm. But seven, eight is even better if I can, but I usually don't have time for eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. Um, so you were mentioning, like, the family values there, mm-hmm. and I, I am kind of jealous first. of that here because – I ran into this little YouTube video the other day or whatever it was, YouTube, Instagram. And the guy's like, it's like the 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 premise that you have to work nine to five, Monday through Friday mm-hmm. until you're 70 years old and then you only have 15 or 20 good years left and then you die. Is like, that's bullshit. You don't have to do that. Why are we all doing that? Mm-hmm. And like in other places, like what you're talking about is they realize that like, like this is a simple life it doesn't last long and you may as well do the, do like spend time on the things that are most mm-hmm. precious mm-hmm. to you like eating with your family yes. and being here, there with your kids when they get out of school that day and then maybe finish up the last of the cleanup work at the end of the day and then mm-hmm. fucking go home and be with each other it's a fucking crazy place we live in here in America you know it is. with the grind of it there's a big grind and you're always they got you they got they, they it's a good system they got set up to get you to stress about money and making the money and paying the bills and you know, it's just a wealth transfer from you to the. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and and, I, and and in that sense, it is a beautiful system as well because, you know, you're you you get you know you reap what you sow. It motivates people. You you know, um, you, you can you can. Not everybody will be a champion, but everybody gets to decide whether they're a winner or a loser. But you do. There is a lot of wealth transfer here for mm-hmm. so many things, whether it's taxes, whether it's the goods that we buy, the things that we need to survive. So you do always have to kind of. It, it's this like invisible. Stressor, mm-hmm. or the invisible hand that motivates you, right? They talk about the invisible hand in economics. There's always something that's at play that's working behind the scenes. This motivator, this invisible thing. Um, but you know, that's that's something that you think about too. Like if you have a company like you have, maybe that is run by somebody else one day, where it's just money accruing to you, and that's how you generate wealth. When you have mm-hmm. this thing that is just making you the money, where you don't have to be there, you're not chained to it. Like you say, oh, you're a business owner. Yes, but not in the true sense. We were talking Mm -hmm. about assets and all that. Uh, What I've what I've been uh, heard from like investor community or economics is, you have a business when somebody else runs it for you and the money comes to you. You have a job when you have to be there. Mm -hmm. Passive
2: income. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: it's a business in some sense. You're incorporated. You got Mm -hmm. employees. You got to pay people, but. But yeah, when you're active, when you're chained to it as a nine to five, and you're you're basically an employee. Uh Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm an employee of my own company Mm -hmm. in in the technical sense of paying myself a salary or whatever. But also, in the sense of like I just work for me. I work for Cherry Legal LLC, and I don't fucking eat if I don't do that.
1: Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I think when I the last couple years, I love that life. I love me and my husband constantly have an. Argument about you know the life in Mexico versus the life. I always get him. I'm trying to get him for us to go retire. Half we want to retire early. We want to retire and enjoy life. Like you, you know, what are you going to retire at sixty five, sixty eight for? If you can't even move, you know, some of us are going to be so sick that you can't even move. And so our goal is to try to retire by fifty five, so that we can enjoy whatever. You know, he always says that you know what. I'm, my goal is to pay the house, make sure my kids you know go to school or whatnot make sure that they're at least have, you know, the skills to be able to take care of themselves. And as soon as I have everything paid, my debt paid off and whatnot, he said, I'll go get a job at Home Depot afterwards and then just live my life. Just to stay active? uh, Just to stay active, yes. Yeah,
0: and maybe not a full-time, but you're Mm -hmm. a greeter, like, three days a week, or you help people find shit or whatever. Uh,
1: Yeah, just just whatever, you know. And But I always tell him, I want to go, you know, to Mexico Mm -hmm. because I really got to experience that life where – here in the United States, you're still like, you know, constantly looking mm-hmm. at your phone, what time is it? We got to do this. We got versus over there, it's a very relaxed environment like and though and it's a collective mm-hmm. relaxed environment. And so, yeah, I Yeah, so
0: you don't feel bad about doing it cuz everybody's doing that.
1: Yeah. yeah, and and the family values. So, uh, to me, really I try to run my life and my business with that first. It's first it's, you know, there's there's been years that I have made zero money. Uh, because I'm not, you know, I'm not a person that thinks about profit. At first, I think about, you know, sometimes the guys are, you know, hey. I, actually, half of my guys have family in Mexico. Like they're they're fairly young, and so they're engaged or married, and so they go, they come work here for a while, and then they go and take two three months off to be with their family in Mexico, and you know when you think about it as on a business perspective, here's a truck sitting down not making any money, you know, I'm losing out on, on that, the revenue for that truck. But then I when I sit here and I think about it and I put myself into the shoes of that family, you know, you're like, you know, they they work hard all year. The least they, they should do is go and spend some time with, you know, enjoy the money that they make and go and spend it with their loved ones because you never know, you know, you never know what could happen. And so when I sit here and I I think they're, and I wish one of them was here to, I think they appreciate that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think they appreciate that. And, and our turnover versus the other companies that I've seen is very low compared to, you know, the trucking industry has very high turnover. Because it's very hard to, I'm sure they have one of the highest divorce rates too, so they're gone so much. Yeah, yeah. but I, th- I think
3: I think we can attribute it to what we were talking about before. You know, bringing it back to core values, mm-hmm. and I think my sister, throughout the years, has uh, been able to uh, identify that that's important in a business. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think that's what we need as a community, right? Going back to those core values, what's important? For for instance, I have a lot of students that come from other countries, and. They've been here for years. Some students have that I've uh, been teaching. You know, to, to to I help I help them get you know their driver's license, and they constantly ask me, Lizette, is this what it is to live here in, in in the United States? Like this is this is it? And I told them, What do you mean? And they're like, I feel like I don't have a life, and because and then we talk about this exactly uh, this ex- exact example that we're talking about about the uh. uh realization of what's important that they don't that they miss out on their families because they're constantly in the rat race Mm -hmm. and so they miss home because they miss the core values of being able to you know eat dinner with their family being able to do what's important and so a lot of the students have actually gone back because the American dream isn't what it is what they thought it was
0: yeah i think you know and and what the american dream was maybe has changed over time um you know this was the land of opportunity everybody thought it was the land of milk and honey and you come here and you'll be rich and you'll be successful Mm -hmm. and you you know you'll have this great family life but the reality of it is like the values that you're talking about we don't get them from corporations we don't get them from the companies who work in fact it's quite the opposite it's yeah. like get your ass in there do your fucking job and you know toe the line and yes. make money they don't ask about your family And mm-hmm. they don't ask you know i mean the cool ones do i think if there was a corporate culture of like you know you have apple or coca-cola and all these other big companies like you know pushing family values not just use our product with your family but like you know, their employees, like, and do some of the stuff that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. But, like, to a corporate boardroom or something, they would think you're fucking out of your mind. I mean, no, you get two weeks, and that's what you get for your vacation per year, and you fucking work the rest of the time. Um, You know, and that probably attributes to other societal problems that we see here, the craziness or the people wanting, like you yeah. said, just want to leave. Mm-hmm. Because they, they're here thinking that, you know, this is going to better my life when really... In some senses, it does because you're not worried about where your next meal is coming mm-hmm. from, but you sacrifice a lot of time with your family. Your kids are basically raised
1: by a stranger
0: mm-hmm. or by, you know, you know, the temporary stranger that they get to know for a while. And they're raised by social media and the fucking mm-hmm. cell phones. And even when you're around, I've seeing that a lot now. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm about to have a kid and, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to do my best. I just joke around with my wife and I'm like, our kid's going to have a flip phone. right? like, you know, they're going to get bullied at school. I don't give a fuck. Like, they, in case Chester Chester is trying to get him in the van, that's why I want to have the fucking phone. They can call me, or if I want to know where they're at. And, like, this shit's poisonous. It's a drug.
1: They do watches. There's watches where you set what numbers they can call from the watch in case you need to get a hold of them. Um, that way you don't have to embarrass them with the flip phone.
0: <laughs> Maybe, but it's... Him or her, I don't the know. The part about it is not just... The, the calls and who they can make calls to. It's the social media, the mind poison, the notifications.
3: The availability the of information. Oh no! Uh-huh. From
1: the phone, you can't like you can't log into social. It's not like it's. I think Ver, I, I've seen it with Verizon uh, It's an option that I consider for my son. Um, it, it's just strictly a, a phone. No apps. No nothing. To where you put who can he can dial to, who can call him or her, and that's it. They can't access anything else other than calling and the time
0: on yeah, and Yeah, but I mean...
1: The filtering th- that information. Is, that is good, to mm-hmm.
0: but somewhat to kind of maybe defeats the por- point of having a smartphone at that point. You may as well just have whatever. But the point, mm-hmm. she was saying they're going to get bullied because they can't participate mm-hmm. in the social media, the Facebook, mm-hmm. the Instagram, yeah. which, you know, has bullying and blah, blah, blah. It's like, the thing about it is, is that, like, this is not natural to humans. It's not something that... We're just now getting this. We didn't evolve over time for many, many years with this. This is a new thing. They don't tell you how to manage it. Mm -hmm. They don't tell you how addictive it is. They don't tell you that, like, you'll feel that everything that you do in your life has to be filtered through the recording or the, Mm -hmm. like, look at me, look what I'm doing. Like, this recognition of instead of, like, focusing on what's right there in front of you, it's always constantly, like, looking at what somebody else is doing somewhere else or you're showing them what you're doing while they're somewhere else. And it's, Mm -hmm. like, it's not people aren't as present um, you know, well, likely causing dopamine problems with the kids. Mm-hmm. They're depressed when they get off there because their dopamine is fully yeah. blown by all the excitement activity and then everyday life is fucking boring and they're wondering, why don't I fit into this? Why isn't this exciting? Mm-hmm. It's, it's there's, I wish I knew more about this. I, I will probably have people on over time that, you know, from the universities or something talk about this, the psychology, the mm-hmm. case studies are out there um, that's showing what, what the effects of these yes. things are. But we need to know that. We need to be very conscious of that. Because um, it will, if we don't manage it, it is gonna, it's going to ruin us. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You've got to manage these things. Like, I, on my phone, am down to like four things that I use. I look at YouTube just to see you know, how the podcast is doing or whatever. I'll look at the views. I'll watch some exercise videos and music and stuff like that. Uh, I'll check you know, Instagram and Facebook for the same, same reason, see you know, I'm putting things out there, how are they doing, um, but I used to spend a lot of time looking through that or whatever. I'll use it for birthdays now. I love to wish people a happy birthday. Mm-hmm. There was a speaker that I was listening to at this real estate breakfast and he was saying, likes get likes, comments get comments. You know, if you wish people happy birthday, you you stay more in in their insight and in mind. If you don't ever message them, you just they don't see your shit, you mm-hmm. know. So if you want to keep your content out like stuff like this out there, you gotta stay involved. But I just Correct. like wishing people a happy mm-hmm. birthday anyway. I think it's like a positive activity that puts you in a positive <laughs> mindset. So I use that and maybe the Internet Explorer, and I I really have gotten away from it. Like, now what I crave and value is, like, you know, walking the dog or doing exercise or, you know, enjoying, you know, I watch UFC fights. I watch Donut Operator and Police Activity sometimes to see, like, what it is that police deal with. If you're not watching those and you want to be a police officer, Mm -hmm. you should start watching Donut Operator and Police Activity channels right away Mm -hmm. because it shows you how things change, like, instantly and how situations, like, you go from being, like, nice and open and proactive, mm-hmm. having me reactive in like a life or death way. Very great stuff. But I, all those types of things interest me. I listen to podcasts like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it gets my brain going in the morning. I'll be like doing like gargling, brushing my teeth, and I'm like learning information and I'm hearing it from people who don't have a biased interest because of the corporate funding they're receiving. Mm-hmm. They're just starting out. They're ma- barely making money from like Liquid IV or Healthy Cell or one of these other companies. <laughs> Um, because they believe that they're doing good by the advertising they're doing. They're not beholding anybody. They're just like us, that we work for ourselves. And I I, I I like to hear that counterbalance to the mainstream media because, you know, for, for these last few years, we've been we've been told stuff that was either an outright lie or just recklessly said because it wasn't true and there wasn't a basis for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I don't even want to get into the, the specifics of it with COVID right now because it'll probably mm-hmm. fucking pull my video off. Even if I said that word once now, I'll probably mm-hmm. be flagged as they – run the audio through the mm-hmm. algorithm or they, mm-hmm. cause they make uh, closed captions for like, so like deaf people can read, read what it, it says. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they see that word come through on the audio and that's flagged probably right mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any event, um, you know, the managing this stuff is, is something that's incumbent upon us to have a good society. And, um, but you know, like today, right. I, I get up, I do my my morning routine, I get the dog out, Uh, you know, the air is cold, but it's refreshing. I just felt so good to be able to do this and do it stress-free. I stopped by my mom's. Mm -hmm. Uh, She had had this, like, bracelet that she needed um, worked on at the jewelers, and she was so happy to get it back. So, like, my brother is her full-time caretaker, Mm -hmm. more or less, and I try to help her out as much as possible, but they're very comfortable with each other, so I, I can't really, there's certain things that they just that he takes care of, mm-hmm. and then I try to do the stuff that he doesn't like to do. He doesn't like to run to the places like that. He is not like he doesn't like to be having to go interact with people in that way. So I just I do that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so I'm I w- I just felt so blessed. I went and got my coffee today. Everybody seemed happy. There was mm-hmm. I, I made friends with just some dude who was in there, and we were chatting about everyday bullshit. And <laughs> it felt good to do that without the stress of having to worrying about running somewhere doing something. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I like about. Working for myself as well is like nobody tells me that if I want to leave town, that I'm, not, I'm not, I can't do that. Yeah. But if you work for some fucking corporation and like you get two weeks, that's all you get. Well, mm-hmm. then that's all you get. Or you can't you get, go get what they give you, and that's all yeah. you get. Mm-hmm. Or at least we have the option of working remotely, mm-hmm. which is which is really. It's nice.
1: awesome. I I
0: stressful too though. It brings the stress up to those places, mm-hmm. and it kind of sucks. But it's still nice to be able to get away without having to be told no.
1: Well, exactly. Yeah, I've yeah. I've had the. The blessing to you know it was hard in the beginning with going out there to work it was actually more stressful than to than what it was to you know enjoy nature and it's my well uh, where my dad lives it's it's a very rural area and so you were
0: facing technological challenges yes
1: i mean they're still out there with uh i think 3g i don't even know what it is now we're like five <laughs> lte they're still with the 3g you know so, uh, thankfully, uh, Elon, little by little, I started, you know, like, I, I would tell the people, because there's, like, uh, computer labs out there, uh, just not everybody can afford to have internet. Um, and f- first and foremost, the freaking antenna the cell phone antenna is like from the 1960s yeah but thanks for the cartels you were able to get run your <laughs> no actually what happened was that elon musk came out uh, with the starlink, starlink. Uh-huh. and it's awesome but so every year i Does, would was take that,
0: are you familiar with Starlink? Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, he
0: put out a bunch of satellites and now you have global internet wherever yes. you're at if you're willing to pay the fee or if you're able so, to so i mean it me, it's because cool. uh, now you can work remotely you're oh. good right uh-huh. and
1: so i was happy i was so happy but then when I saw it, okay, so I take my nieces and my nephews to Mexico with me, all of uh, like Lissette's uh-huh. son, m- mostly all of them, and then my kids. And so um, I take them because I want them to get away from the cell phone. My, my, I'll admit it, I'm that parent where, yeah, you could play with your phone, you know. You don't realize how much damage it is to them. But then, you know, let's go to Mexico. They can't be on the phone over there. Cause to disconnect. Yeah, to disconnect their nature, you know. They can go help grandpa with with the animals. My dad has cows and horses and stuff, and so I, I love taking them so they can experience that. But last year, I had uh, the year before that actually two two three years I there was a different satellite that I got, but it didn't have unlimited you know data. And so I didn't give the password out to the kids because <laughs> everyone's needed, on their phones. <laughs> I needed it for work, you know. So I didn't want them to run up and then up my the gas bill
0: or use up all your data. Uh, the, the data. The, what mm-hmm. happened
1: is that the data, the data it, would, down. it would slow down. So I needed it for work for my email download and all that stuff. So I I, I told them I'm sorry I can't. You know we'll watch one movie, the whole week, and that's it. Right? Perfect excuse and to have so them be out. And in the beginning, they hated They hated going out there because they couldn't be on their phones. The minute we would get to town where there was signal, and then Mexico, or at least the region where we're from, they only allow you, American phones, they only allow them certain gigabytes. Uh-huh. Um, and then after that, your data slows down if it's an American phone. And so they would only have a chance to maybe log on to whatever social media they have or watch YouTube or whatnot. But then it would just slow down, and it was so slow that... It was
0: painful. Yeah. <laughs> so, it
1: hurts. You're
0: like, I, I'm not even doing this. this is, I'm I, glad. My time.
1: So I was very happy that they saw, you know, and they, if it would force them to go out and walk on Grandpa's Ranch. But then last year, I installed the Starlink. I don't know if it was last year or the year before that. Tell uh, us a
0: little bit about that, because... I may get involved in that too and I really, all I know is that you can get internet. You need equipment or you just need to pay the fee and then you have access or what is it like?
1: So when I, so at first I was on the wait list because my- There was a wait list? There was. Oh shit. I thought it was just
0: like, (laughs) everybody sign up, we got internet, baby. No, there was a
1: wait list in the beginning. And so I think Elon Musk did a good job in in, um, sending it out to the people in the rural areas first because I got a notification right away that I was able to purchase it if I wanted to. And so the equipment, you have to buy it. it, it I think it was like $600.
0: Some kind of box or something that gets the-, the antenna. Yeah.
1: It's the easiest setup in the world. I mean, I'm a little technical knowledge, uh, I know a little bit about computers and stuff, but anybody, it, it's easier to, to set up uh, the satellite than set up your f- iPhone when you first buy one. You literally just connect it, connect the power you put it wherever you want. If if you wanna, they give you the mount that it comes with. It's the mount that you just set it like on a table, or if you have a flat roof, um, or if you want to order one that will you screw onto the wall. Um, which I that I ended up ordering the wall mount. You, that's where you might need help if you're a girl and you don't know how to screw into you need concrete. Power tools and shit. Yeah. yeah, you'll need you know masonry bits and all that to be able to drill through. this. Out yeah. there, the houses they're mostly made out of masonry, block. And so it was the easiest thing in the world i just you just connect it the app there it comes with an app it um so you I guess it's a Bluetooth connection or a wireless to connection computer to phone your phone or, or whatever, and then it'll self adjust to wherever the position the best connection you know the position and that's it and how much is the fee? how do you a hundred dollars I'm paying hundred dollars a month for that a month mm-hmm. but its that's
0: a, a decent fee you know' because that doesn't include. That includes just internet, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, can you make calls with internet yes. connection only? Uh yes. So well, that's good then, because then at least, like, if you need to, if you need to make calls, you can do it. But it's, do you need a cell phone service provider anymore? No, like you don't need not anymore. Through? Not with Starlink?
1: Not with Starlink. You because you're doing uh, Wi-Fi and it's calls. unlimited everything. Uh, for unlimited everything. That's kind of good. Yeah, you know, then, bucks a
0: month because we have all these bullshit fees uh-huh. that get added onto the bill. They they're sneaky fuckers I gotta call AT&T they added on some shit that I never even uh-huh. agreed to or uh-huh. whatever like and it's extra charges like I don't need necessary backup internet I've never had a fucking internet be down in the first place so mm-hmm. I'm like why am I paying $15 a month for this they mm-hmm. sent out equipment and everything i I didn't ask for this nobody told me about this I didn't agree with. it yeah. just shows up I'm like the fuck
3: is this so I have, I have... And then um, you've got, like, everything connected, too, like the cameras and everything, Yeah, right? so my dad has Cell cameras
1: uh, around the house. They're, they're, you know, wireless cameras. And then I have the voice over IP phones um, that I use for work, so I take that phone with me. So it, it, it's, it's, it's the best invention ever in one, um, you know, on one hand. But on the other, because it was unlimited... Last summer, I my my nieces and my nephews—they saw Netflix twice. (laughs) The whole thing. They, you know, the the minute I installed it, I swear to you, everybody just went to the rooms, to each other's rooms, and then they were there all day, just on the phone. And I was like, man, I kind of regret doing this or giving them the password because that's all they did. At from that point on, you know. But then my dad would be like, hey, you know, what's what's your problem? Come and help me out here, like, and so. I'm glad that they have the opportunity, that we have the opportunity to be able to have them experience a different type of life, you know, a different type of poverty, a different type of family value, uh, because they at least get exposed to it, you know, and and see the difference. At least when we first started going to Mexico, my my brother used to always tell my mom, mom, you need to take the girls. you, You grow up, we weren't, we didn't grow up rich, we were poor, you know, my dad was in jail for 15 years, so... We were not, in any way, shape, or form, kids with, you know, we had hand-me-downs, and my mom would have to shop at the second-hand store for our clothes. Hand-me-downs
0: used to be more common, though. Yeah. So you would be yeah. literally wearing shit that other people's kids wore, and that was yeah. it. Yeah. Money. And what's wrong with that? I mean, We'd
1: fight each other for our clothes and stuff. <laughs> well, <those> because
0: <laughs> we, we, in America, we treat things as disposable items or whatever. Like, over there, I think... Or in different places, people understand it still has value, regardless yes. of whether it's older or maybe a little worn or something.
1: So it was my brother. So my brother lived in Mexico his first five years when he was. So he remembers, you know, none of this. Like the kids now, all they want is the phones and the Jordans, and you know, they won't, they don't want Walmart clothes or like you know, as if it was something which are that. better
0: than ever before. By the yes. way, some of the that are athletic or something, oh, no, it's comfortable. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah. but yeah. but, but shirt, I
3: shirt. I think regardless, we still do a pretty good job at keeping our kids. Um, in a mindset where mm. they understand by bringing them back to the beginning wh- how my sister said, like bringing them back to the ranch where they see, they have an opportunity to value what's what important, have. to value hard work and and, and w- when they see my dad, you know, doing things out there and he tries to teach them mm-hmm. um, hard work hard work,
1: My dad ha- my dad's 75 years old and he still runs the ranch on his own, he has no help and the other thing that's is that's not
0: easy and it's probably very time consuming it, as well very i mean what time does he get up in the morning
1: he he gets up early uh, early because out there because we're closer to the equator the sun doesn't rise uh as early as it does here which is funny you know um but it, it the sun sets like at 9 30 almost sometimes 10 o'clock at night it'll it'll set really late but so I, I think that's the reason why people start late out there,
0: and then they take that break and then come back and finish uh-huh. up the day at the end mm-hmm. because they have so more daylight to work with. Yes,
1: they, they have their multiple siestas. Yes, they do. And I mean,
0: fuck yeah, let's, have a let's get some friggin' <laughs> arachera going. <laughs> That's why I can eat real quick. He can never to go back and kick some ass. Maddie,
3: let me tell you, Brian is very familiar with the Mexican, Mexican culture. Cuisine. He loves.
0: I don't. If, if the Mexican culture is a pool, I've dove into the deep end, and I'm learning how to swim while I'm in there. He's an oh, the adopted child. I'm just fucking. Believe fuck me, me in there.
1: you you. If you have not been to a rancho of like ten houses, you need to go. Like you, we will invite you if you are ever in, interested in taking your kid out he, there. Let me tell you, this is gonna sound horrible. My brother when we were 15 he was like mom that's it you're going to have to take them cuz you know we were growing up to be we were, we didn't even have money and we were growing up to be entitled entitled kids you know we didn't even have money so he's like you're going to go out there there's no bathrooms where where my parents are there's no bathrooms you're going to have to wipe you have to wipe your ass with a rock with a rock <laughs> literally <laughs> i mean it wasn't not I mean, be something better man. <laughs> I mean, is, like, so so <laughs> yeah. in the ranch where my dad's from there is no running water I there mean, is no light so let me tell you so in the beginning don't be
0: throwing out all those tamale (laughs) husks keep a fucking pile of them don't work so when we
1: went when we first went they had to make my grandpa my grandpa rest in peace he his house you know he he lived alone all his kids were out here in America and so none of the kids went to see him for a very long time so my grandma died when she was 36 years old so I think my smallest aunt was three years old when she lost her mom. So they all, because they were so little, they all got separated. They have a very sad story, but, so my grandpa was by himself. Literally, when they went, because they they got there first, and I did. We were very traumatized by this event. They thought that my dad, my grandpa's house was the barn house. That's like, there was no floor on the house no bathroom um, just like dirt basically yes it was dirt. yeah but
3: you have to tell him that my aunt had been sending my grandpa money throughout the years to, to like fix, it. fix it so all of us thought so that he was just buying horses it, instead of fixing no, no he uh, was
1: he was t- he was drinking you know women women
3: <laughs> see that's the problem
0: with the horse track there's an old saying like oh he blew all his money out of the track on fast women and slow horses. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like he lost money on the race, he's betting on slow horses, no, my, and the fast my, women got the rest of it. My
1: grandpa was never a horse guy. He was just, he was a big gambler with carts. Uh-huh. He was a big but
0: it's game. your father who's the horse guy. The yeah, my dad. Uh,
1: which yeah. it's my grandpa's my mom. And I confused
0: this. I was thinking at first that you were still talking about your dad. I, oh, sorry, I just, no. I got lulled into a false sense of comfort in the no. conversation <laughs> and was not discerning those details. Sorry, we no, should have explained.
1: No, my mom's, my mom's dad. My mom's dad, you know, they went to his. Uh, to where my mom was born. And yeah, they had been sending him money so that he could fix up the place. And they get there and it's like a sh- uh, Shithole, <laughs> and they're like you that's know, how people
0: live in some places. My dad was from Iowa. It yeah. was like ten kids living in a small house. Like this is
1: a two room. I mean, uh, like literally, I it don't was know. probably just the size of this room. Yeah, right here. this little section right here. Yeah,
0: and there's like some cots out and shit where people sleep. And like, so you know, th- he didn't. This, even I don't think a it's bed. a king size bed, right? Well, then how he, do you sleep. He, like, uh, it was floor?
1: like twelve of us, right? Yeah. So all the cousins, because it was several of my aunts that went, and so all the cousins. It was like twelve of us. Uh-huh. So people in the ranch and the other, they like felt bad, so everybody started offering. You know, hey, you guys come stay over. But we still, you know, during the day, we still had to spend it somewhere and eat somewhere. So what they did is they bought a wooden chair. Like somebody had a wooden chair, like an old outhouse, you know, and the chair had a hole in the middle. And you're shit in there, and yes. So that's exactly. It, no, wait, hold on, <laughs> so we had to. <laughs> <laughs> <It> <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to bucket. finish the
2: details.
3: <laughs> Brian, we <laughs> have these videos, so if you ever want to see this, <laughs> it <laughs> was a <laughs> bucket. I, I can
1: picture it in <laughs> so my mind. We I, had, we
3: had, I can't I, I get it. So my poor
1: dad was, you know, sure. streets <laughs> and sanitation. <laughs> if we were, if we were gonna poop. We had to put a plastic bag in the bowl because inside of the chair that you would put a bowl and you were going to pee. It was just the, bowl. you know, you don't put a plastic bag. But if you were going to poop, you put a plastic bag in the bowl. You do your business and you throw it into this garbage. No. Can that was, and wait
3: till you hear about our, our recycling system. What? The pigs come out and eat your shit.
1: <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> no, no, not your poop because then oh, we, we eat the pigs. They eat all the leftover food, the pigs, like all your scraps. They'll eat all of that stuff and they loved it, but no, they, the, they because we,
3: because let me tell you this that's story. how much nature
0: cleans up,
1: oh <laughs> yeah. The one time, me and my sister, my
3: was it yes, and what uh, uh, or was it one of my cousins? So, this little shitting area was outside the house where, and there's no electricity, Brian, there's no wa- running water, so we had to get like uh, um a candle to walk out there like in, the middle, the, in the middle of the night. I mean, people do
0: that here. They have outhouses and shit. Yeah, but it's... You can like, some big-ass spider in there
3: and shit. But, but you need cable. to understand that this was our first year ever experience this type of lifestyle.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was total culture Yeah, it was really... We
3: have this
0: thing with <laughs> this magical pipes and tunnels, and there's this plumber in there, Mario, and he <laughs> fucking fights the the evil dragon guy and like we could flush our stuff with water like you, all, you, you guys don't have that yeah, yeah but I mean I, I guess right I mean a, a chair with a hole and it does the job you well, gotta sit down was, right like, it was an
1: adventure we loved it yeah. we ended up going wanting to go every year it was it was awesome like we had to wash there was a creek right yeah. because there was no running water in my grandpa's house there was a creek where we had to go wash by hand our clothes so you know here we are Americans all we wore was jeans so the jeans and and comforters. Talk to wash right. Yeah, that's the hardest. They thing. get
0: heavy. They're fucking. Oh they get
1: man, our knees were scraped. Like it was horrible, but we loved it. This is it was a different experience, and, and we so, had to bathe in these waters too. Yeah, we had to shower in the creek. You know, but it was awesome. It you know, um,
0: You guys are getting back to mother nature. Right? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> it was like, it was it was it humbled us a lot. And We saw how they, you know, how chicken soup was made, you know, you grab the chicken and Menudo, they
3: Brian. Oh, yeah, that was horrible. We saw we had the entire process of them murdering the cow. It was so Getting sad. the intestines out of the cow. Cleaning like, it.
1: Having, you grab literally the tripe, menudo, tripe in English for those who don't know, but you grab the menudo and, you know, the cow, you kill the cow, whatever. You take the tripe out of the cow, right? You're sitting there taking... Tripe. Menudo? Have you, have you ever you? What is it, eaten?
0: like the intestines or whatever? Yeah,
1: yeah, the intestines. And so here you are, people. Like, well, why'd you tell me you was <laughs> <that it's made laughs> I don't Why like it. Do it. Well, it, see, some people know how to cook it where you can't even taste. It. Yeah. it tastes good. But, you know, you put chile to everything and everything tastes good. I don't know okay. if you like <laughs> We I remember. They're put,
0: all putting chili on your cereal and shit. <laughs> no,
1: I, I remember
3: they this. They got the
0: friggin' uh, Takis version and shit <laughs> with like the extra hot shit on it.
3: This is the food that you eat after a hangover, so most drunks can't even tell that it tastes like shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: man. And that's what everybody tells me to do. Oh, you gotta eat something spicy the next day, so you sweat or whatever. It is mm-hmm. And I kind of get it, yeah.
1: Uh, you set it out. believe I me. I need some
0: caffeine on the next day. <laughs> you know, but yeah, and so some y- hydration.
1: Here we were squishing out the poop out of the intestines <sighs> of the menudo, and then you got to wash it by hand. <sighs> then Man, you, you ruin <laughs> it for so
0: many people. I think we should just put a pin on that.
1: One. You know, I mean motherfuckers aren't gonna. Eat I still eat it. Body. You have to clean the shit out uh-huh. of it. You, know? you do. And there's some people who, there's some people who cook the menudo in Mexico, mm-hmm. and they say that you have to leave a little bit of poop. So that it tastes good, I I could smell the manure that has poop left over, it, and I won't touch it.
0: Yeah, no, like, <laughs> I mean, if you're if you have grown as a people to tolerate that, like, mm-hmm. I couldn't drink the water without getting sick over there because it's just different parasites mm-hmm. and bacteria that so my yes. system's just not used to. Well,
3: mm-hmm. you do actually, all of us yeah, when we first get there. It. Like, I still, I, 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 the first two days, your body has to get accustomed to it. Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, you know what's so crazy? I lived out there for a year. And so I swear, I think I went through like a toxic, uh, almost like a withdrawal from the food out here.
3: Yeah, because we're detoxing from the food here. Yeah, Because the food over I there. I lost all the shit they yeah. put in it. Uh, I natural,
1: lost, right? I swear to you, I lost like maybe 40 pounds without even trying to lose weight. I was like, what the heck is going on? You know, like, I mean, I mean, I would still eat. I wasn't on a diet. I wasn't. And I lost 40 pounds just from living out there. We're basically eating organic food out there. Mm-hmm. And your body is detoxing not
3: because from of... From all the from, yeah, chemicals, I think. From the food here.
1: So I think that's what happens, but, you yeah, know... Yeah, that's wild.
0: People don't think about that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Another thing is I met this dude from India... And he was telling me that he brushes his teeth more now that he's here because of the, the process when mm-hmm. he notices that it's just, like, over there, the, the natural stuff, it doesn't... The spring
1: water. Doesn't, mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't... You don't get the same plaque buildup and stuff that you do with all the shit that we have it, here. That's
1: crazy. I, like, I've had more tooth replacements here than people over there. I have my uncle who's, like, 85 years old, and he still has all his teeth perfectly straight. The original straight. ones and shit. Yeah, yes. the original ones from, like, no the teeth. fucking... That's crazy.
3: 1940s and shit, just, like... yep. Well, our father, like, he looks pretty good for his
1: for age. For his age? He looks really good for his age. He's 75 years old, and I'm, he's stronger than probably all my nephews put together, you know. It's, Look
0: that old man strength. He's fucking he, wiry, rigid and shit. Just fuck him up. He's a <laughs> he mascot
1: drinker in the mornings, Ooh, you know. how so. man. That
0: shit is a little
1: bitter, yo. <laughs> I don't
3: like it either. I and, prefer tequila. But. And this challenge that he has, right, where he tries to prove that he's so, like, he's he looks. I mean, he looks young for his age. Mm. There, there's that big hill that he tries to yeah. tells us. Okay, let, let's see who makes it at the top of that hill. How, how it's, many? Um,
1: the elevation. I took the elevation one time. So we, we've gone there a couple. Of, I'll show you a picture afterwards. But uh, he, because he, we're heavy set, you know, we're not that light, and so he'll try to prove himself against. Us. But yeah,
0: he, I can get up there quick.
1: He's no, but he, I Look, mean, you're way behind me. But he's in really good shape yeah, he, for his age. We're over here dying at the tip of the little hill. And so it's, like, 6,000 feet above sea level, this hill that we climb. But did and you find it
0: harder to breathe? To um, breathe. Absolutely. That's yeah.
1: why I think – and then my husband has asthma. Well, have you been on it? No, my, I haven't. My been. other sister, she she gave up, like, right at the foot because she saw a snake. There was a – because, you know, out there – You got rattlers and stuff. Yeah. And so the You got to wear your
0: cowboy boots and shit. My dad always – funny running in those, like, they but they probably yeah. do, right? Because, uh, yeah, you get bit, like – It won't go through the... Yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: And you would... You know, and my dad gets mad at me at us because we'll go in our shorts and stuff. And he's like, hey, man, you got to put some pants on. Like, how are you going to... Jeans. Yeah, you need... A couple uh pairs
0: plus a fucking pair of cowboy boots up to your knees. A hat for Uh, the
1: sun. The sun out there is really strong. Um, But yeah, it's a totally different life. And I'm glad that we've had the opportunity to take the kids and experience, you know, that type of life. Um, And they see it.
0: Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, like... There's probably more of the rest of the world that lives that way than they do here. Mm -hmm. That, I think, think is one of the things that people see about America. Like, holy shit. You -hmm. have this brick thing, this castle that's yours? Mm -hmm. You have it for the rest of your life unless you want to sell it and get another one for real? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. You know, it's crazy the conveniences that we have here. And then you Mm -hmm. compare that to, if you go, like, to China, to India, to Mexico, to Thailand, to, you name the place, like, pers- probably more people that live like that than do like this, you know?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the convenience at the cost of what? Yeah. So, <laughs> we don't have family life here yeah. because we want convenience. Not in
0: the same way that they do, yeah. I think mm-hmm. there's a good it balance. It a different meaning in the
2: mix yeah. of all this. I,
1: th- I think there's a good balance. I mean, you know, both both countries have awesome things, you know? I, I love America. I love Me Chicago. You know, I love I love growing up in a city where it's so culturally, you know, uh, we, live, we also lived in Texas, and, you know, in a small town in Texas. And as you can imagine, I was very surprised that we were so close to the border that the people there, I was actually very sad to see how much they hated the natives from Mexico. And they looked like they were Mexican. I mean, you know, the Texans. And so
0: both mexican and white texans didn't like the people from mexico or just no
1: actually the the white texans were nicer to the native mexicans than their own people you know and i i never understood that so i came from a city where we embrace immigrants you know where we don't see at least i i grew up like that um you know and there's i went to i don't know if you grew up here in chicago but i went to lane and lane was a very diverse high school I mean, you would have, you know, an Italian mixed with Japanese uh, mixed with white, you know. You had a Puerto Rican with an Indian father. And so there's, uh, I was lucky enough to go to a school where I was exposed to so many different cultures, so many different ideologies, uh, so many different opinions. And that sometimes is, is very helpful to, you know, embrace other people's differences and to know. And that's where I think Mexico sometimes lacks Uh, that type of environment to where us Americans you know there's a lot of people and I'm pretty sure a lot of Mexican Americans can relate to this but when you go out there as an American kid that was born in America but your parents are Mexican you're still not considered Mexican over there you're still looked down upon because you're not born from over there you you didn't grow up the way that they grew up.
0: Yeah I'd like to think that we're smart right we have this computer in our head that's Mm -hmm. made out of like tissue right and it allows us to do things that are almost impossible right you know and why can't we all make that decision you know maybe one day that we make the decision where we're not unfortunately we're very tribal beings or animals I mean at the end of the day we still are animals but making that decision of like we're all we're all people we just have different skins or we Mm -hmm. have different different color skins that is or different places that we've come from um where you're not like you're you're an outsider you're Mm -hmm. this you're that you Mm -hmm. know because because look we can all get along you know
1: yeah absolutely and I I I thought that was very sad to see people just not hang out with people and miss out on you know you could this person that I I remember because I was in high school and we were the new girls I was a senior, and my, my little sister was a sophomore. And uh, what did Hector say? I wasn't here. I, I, had, s- I had moved back to Chicago. Chicago, And so it was me and my little sister in Texas. And, um, and so we were the new girls, and we were from Chicago. We had a Chicago accent, you know, and so all the guys were curious. And so there was a lot of guys trying to, you know, 60 pounds lighter, trying to, you <laughs> know, <laughs> get with us. And because it was such a small town that everybody was dating everybody, so we were like the exotic whatnot no. newbies yeah and so we don't have this shit. <laughs> i'd like to try that this? Yes. so you know but but because me and my sister first of all we had uh, we had already been going to mexico and and you know living in the in cause we, when we go we go for like two months and so spanish Any t- anybody anytime we would see somebody that looked hispanic you know the proper the, the proper thing to do is especially with elders is you address them in spanish And so that was instilled upon us. You know, it's not that we're trying to be rude talking another language, but it's just that it's a a sign of respect to greet them and to say hola, you know, in Spanish. And then if if they want to continue the conversation in English, then you continue it in English um, just out of respect. And so in Texas, when I was first out there, anybody that looked like they speak Spanish, you know, I would talk to them in Spanish and especially older people, older than myself. And some of the people would get offended. Like, I don't speak Spanish. Like, and they would strictly only speak to me in English. And then I I started catching on and, you know, comments here and there or, you know, um, the Beaners, there was a group at the school they would call it, which over here too, you know. But I felt it was very much hatred. But then now that I'm an adult and I read more, you know, the Texans, when Mexico sold that part of Mexico to the United States, you know the Texans were being treated badly from the Americans because you know they were they were- they really were Mexicans, and then they were treated badly from the Mexicans because they got lucky to be on the right side of the border and become Americans and so Texans really have been you know racially profiled, I guess for many 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 years hundreds whenever Mexico became i mean Texas became American. And so then I understand now that's where that comes from. Because I used to get really pissed off at people who would talk about Mexicans that or people that lived in Mexico.
0: Yeah, and I wonder, like, perhaps the people who identify, like, the, the people that at one point in generations past were, were Mexican,
2: mm-hmm.
0: who now identify very strictly and probably as Americans are just because well, I'm on this side of the border now, like, I guess i got to be good with them. i got to exactly. be an ally with them. Exactly. Because fucking, like, I'm living amongst them, and otherwise I'm going to be screwed.
1: Exactly.
0: So it's probably that mentality. And there is a lot of pride, too. I mean, Texas is like
1: a... Its own country. <laughs> it, pretty,
0: more or less, it's, it's, it's a very unique place, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, um, they have their identity and their values, and they're a they're, they're fighting people, and they, like, in, in terms of, like, you know, I mean, it, you know, the Elmo and all that stuff that mm-hmm. happened there. There's, a, there's like a there's, there's battle. They, 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 they're part of their history is f- fighting for their freedom or whatever. For... Or not, you know, whatever. they whatever it is. Their territory, um, and that's that's part of who they are. And they they guard that and they don't go along with things. I feel like uh, Joe Rogan, the podcaster, was like in one of his stand up comedies, a comedian as well, and he in his stand up comedy like. Texas is one of those states where just like, hmm, they stand that's what ground. y'all are doing? Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to mm-hmm. hang back and watch this and see mm-hmm. how it plays yes. out first before we do anything yeah, first. It like, it they're is. skeptical. They, mm-hmm. You know, they value that, that freedom, that, that independent uh, spirit. I think mm-hmm. we all need a, a shot of that. A Harnish
3: yes. <laughs> yeah, never
0: mind about <laughs> vaccine. We need the <laughs> we need a shot of the Texas whiskey, whatever they're drinking mm-hmm. there, you know, the independent yeah. shit.
1: They, I, I think it's good in both. I just... I've picked up here, and I've lived in different places, so I can see. I've never lived, I've never even been to California, so I don't know, but I've been to Arizona. Um, and I love seeing new... new. Like I, I, I love experiencing different cultures. In the town that we were in, Texas, it was a culture shock, but I loved kind of the similar family value that they have, uh, like, in Mexico. You know, it's a little town. Everybody knows each other. Um, everybody's always so friendly. So I love that part of it. The part of that I hated was... You know, anywhere you go in Chicago, you could go get Puerto Rican food for lunch, and then you could go get some Indian food for dinner. That was the part that I hated, that, you know, um, the Mexican well, most food Most people I are there. having McDonald's, but yeah, you're right. You could <laughs> if you wanted yeah. to. You could have there's Chinatown.
0: You can go get some Chinese stuff. You yeah. Get, there's yeah. an Indian district on the north side, closer to probably where, from where y'all are at, mm-hmm. where you can get, like, Indian food and shit like that. And, and
1: it's good. I, I, Lisette took us to an Indian restaurant. I actually hadn't, hadn't had – it was Pakistani, right? Pakistani. Yeah, I had never had Pakistani food. Um, and it was, it was, and it's crazy how similar, how different, but then again, how similar dishes are to, well, at least to Mexican food. I don't know about.
0: I mean, it, there's only so many things you can do, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna eat animals and meat. You're gonna have some steak. Chicken. or You're gonna have some fish mm-hmm. or some chicken or some pork, mm-hmm. and you're gonna have some vegetables mixed yeah. in, and all that. like it's just like different touches on the same thing. Like, oh, you think y'all should is spicy? Mm-hmm. Try some of this curry or some of uh-huh. this again... Turmeric shit we put out there. Later, but, you, right? but
1: you know what? Like the even the restaurant food is not true authentic. Like there's a lot of Mexican dishes, a lot of the stuff that's in restaurants that's not that's not authentic. Traditional. Yeah, there's dishes and and culinary you know Mexican food that you wouldn't even know existed, uh, and that's the type of food. Like I like going to people's houses that are not Mexican to try the real authentic. We have an Italian uncle, and um my, I always ask my aunt. She's my aunt married an italian man i always tell her yeah you know you need to tell uh eugene's mom to come over and teach us how to cook you know like authentic italian sauce because you know, they make their
0: sauce yeah they call it gravy mm-hmm. and it's like gravy that's isn't that the brown stuff that you put <laughs> on potatoes like no that that's a red sauce you put <laughs> on pasta for yeah. example
3: don julio's in uh in old orchard nothing like authentic food not even their avocado is authentic mm. to to so much that even my own son acknowledged it. He's like, wow, this, this food tastes like, like shit. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don Julio, have, have you been there? Don Julio's in Old Orchard? Mom? No. Well, go I so you can see I what the difference is I between.
1: I Don Julio's on North Avenue and uh, Clybourne. Yeah, but don't and they
3: it. call it Uncle
0: Julio's or some shit? It's oh like yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uncle Julio's. Yes, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. in all Orchard? trips, yeah, in, in tequila? Don, <laughs> Don, yeah <laughs> I was gonna say. I'm like, did they try to get into the restaurant business here in America, or what are they doing?
1: No, it's, uh, it's Uncle Julio's. <laughs> oh,
0: in Old Orchard? And I have been in one in Orlando. I've been there years ago. Their tacos actually were not that bad. The quality of steak mm-hmm. they used was fairly good.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know, but it is more American. I'm gonna blow your mind. I don't know if you know this, but in in Mexico. We don't really do tacos. It's just that you eat all your food with tortilla. Yeah. <laughs> everything you eat with tortilla. Grandma made this. <laughs> with everything. The everything. Everything you eat with a tortilla. And, and we don't even... So we don't even make it into a taco. What you do is you pull apart the tortilla and you grab a little section of the tortilla. Like and if then it's a spoon. Instead of using a spoon, <laughs> you grab your food and then you put it in your mouth. You don't, like, you don't go and put... The Which okay. is the beautiful thing about
3: when you go out and eat at different cultures, that's the same thing that the the tradition for um, my students, well, when they tell me that that's how exactly how they eat in India. Mm-hmm. They, instead of using uh, utensils, they use the bread mm-hmm. and to to eat the food. Mm-hmm. So we're very similar yeah. in tradition. And it's interesting, yeah, because uh-huh. my
0: buddy, the way he used to put it, is like, yeah, he's like, here in America, he's like, the reason, or wow, well, He was, he didn't say the reason, but one of the reasons we get so big is like we literally use tiny little shovels to just like shovel our our face, you know what I mean? Yeah, there. And I've noticed that too as I get older, there's benefits to eating slowly and um, eating like, um, by the time you know it, if you eat, there's a difference. If I if I take the same portion and I just like wolf it down, I feel more full, more boated. I feel like there's something about overwhelming your system or like overfilling it. But if you ate the same amount of thing, you just were, like, taking a slower and ate it over the course of, like, another 10, 20 minutes, you just don't feel as full afterward. Do you guys notice that?
1: Well, when I eat with chopsticks.
3: I was just going to say that. uh, When
1: you eat, well, I I think that's why the majority of the Asian community is skinny because there's only so much you can grab with Uh a chopstick, you know? And, and I great. would
0: just take the bowl, and I would. Just so the, let's test that out. We need little, <laughs> a little bit of rice and everything. everything uh-huh. and fuck. It's, it's got to be frustrating. It's like your kids when the internet was slow. Like I want a big chunk yeah. of that
1: shit. <laughs> you know what I
2: mean? <laughs> I want to taste it. <laughs> so
1: yeah, no, like, eating with chopsticks. I, I find myself every time I go to uh-huh. an Asian restaurant. I ask for the chopsticks, and I notice that my stomach doesn't hurt after I eat because why? Because I'm eating with a chopstick, taking my time. Whereas you know any other place, I'm gobbling up the food, you know, Uh, getting all that air in your stomach. I mean, trying to rush and get out of and go do what you gotta do. And
3: their their portion sizes are pretty small though, so also. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I what I noticed in Mexico was that the food is gamier there, and my Mm -hmm. wife is like, "That's just how meat really tastes." I'm like, "Well, what the fuck are they doing to it that makes it like how it is here?" I'm like, "How much shit do you have to add to that?" Because like we had steak at the wedding and it was like, it, it wasn't bad. I ate it, but like. It's different like it's mm-hmm. a it's a tougher cut it and it's like more you have to chew it more and stuff like I don't know what they tenderize it and all the different shit they probably have to add to it to, to, to make it like it is here but interesting you know the,
1: the cows are not as uh, hefty as they are here so when Mexico when the United States buys the cows from Mexico um, they they're only they're not actually when whenever um, somebody goes and buys Amer- uh, Mexican cows, They'll pay a higher price for skinny cows because they're gonna get them fat with the stuff here. They'd rather so they'll put a higher price on those than on the cows that are or the cattle that is that is fatter. They'd rather not, so they'll put a lower price on those because there's only so much more that they can you know gain weight profit. Or? But yeah, and so they rather buy very skinny cows or cattle and they'll fatten them here. They'll they'll feed them here and get them to where. You know the big steaks that we have, and so that's another reason why the meat tastes different uh, here versus over there. Uh, they don't feed them; they don't feed them anywhere. Well, yeah,
0: because I mean, what are you going to get when w- when you have a, a, a skinnier animal? It's going to be a lean more. Yeah, it's going to be leaner. It'll have mm-hmm. more pr- muscle and protein mm-hmm. and more tendons and shit like that. So tendons and ligaments, mm-hmm. Whereas here you're getting stuff that's what they call marbled because it has fat that runs through it yeah. or big chunks of fat. Are, uh, In Mm -hmm. on and around it,
1: you know what's crazy too that I you fill your body is filled a lot more over there with a smaller amount. It's so weird over there. My my husband always says that like I get full. Anything you eat out there, you get full with just a little old plate. Like it's very fulfilling. Seems
0: more like nutrient dense or something. Yeah, because it's organic
1: food. Yeah. Yeah. My mom used to go. I don't know if you know what nopales are, cactus. She because my dad has land she would go walking cut fresh cactus and then make you know eggs from the chickens and that was breakfast and you just needed two tacos of or you know like a little your plate with the tortilla you would eat two tortillas and you were good enough for lunchtime. no munchies in the middle and you had no necessity of snacking in between or Good. Brian, I just want to go get a bite to eat after I know. I, I was going to tell
3: you, you need to come to our town and visit.
1: Yes, you should. You need to experience. When you have your baby, when the baby's a toddler, you are more than welcome to bring it. Or, you know, before you want to check it out, before you send your family.
3: <laughs> I,
0: know, I think I'm kind <laughs> of married to the game now here. I, I won't be traveling anywhere like that for a little bit, probably. Yeah. But you, after a while.
3: You have to experience the... The oh, well, but we don't well, I tru- mean, we oh, have pardon. toilets now, but
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, let me. Yes, now we've installed solar panels, and we have uh, my mom, she bought a, a water truck, so we get ra- water from the river, and so we have constant water running and and lights. So you'll have a place to shit, so don't yeah. worry about it. There's that. an actual running
0: toilet, you can shit indoors. Lovely. <laughs> you know the thing I was gonna I was gonna tell you guys earlier is, um, you know, for a long time they worried about like, you know, Mexican immigration to the United States when, mm-hmm. when motherfuckers realize in America that they can retire down there with a lot less money than they would have here and it's gonna be more affordable. Well, that's already happening. Yo, it's gonna flip the script and y'all are gonna be like. The fucking they won't stop coming over here. These motherfuckers are crossing the border. Right? I'm going go down happening. there. Well, we I'm
1: have a cousin, right? Um, um uh, Daisy's husband. Yeah, people he, our age are going uh-huh. and working out there, and so I'm investing. I like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, me and my brother were trying to open a business out there. Cause so I know shit's gonna hit the fan here, and or eventually, you know. But I, I'm hoping that we don't mess up. The life out there, us Americans. I'm scared that we're going to mess it up for, you know, the the culture. That's uh, a tough
0: part. Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey was giving an interview. I can't remember what program he was on. And he said that, you know, they're in Austin, Texas, or wherever he was from, somewhere around there. Uvalde. He
1: he was raised in Uvalde. Uh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I think he moved to Austin.
0: Well, what he was saying is that, like, if you're going to come here, respect our values. Like, We don't mind you being here, Mm -hmm. but just, like, don't be bringing no nonsense around here. Like, if you're going to be here, be part of us, and that's it, Mm -hmm. we'll take you in. But you got to respect our values. Mm -hmm. And I think if you do that in in any culture, yeah, if I'm going to go down there, I'm going to be speaking fluent Spanish pretty quickly, you know, Mm -hmm. within a a year or two. And I'm going to respect, like, whatever their Uh cultural norms are. I'm not going to be around there trying to fucking change that shit or just fit in, you know, with, with what's going on and enjoy well, it.
3: That's what you were saying about Texas, that, that that's what Texas been doing. It's been standing their ground and keeping their cultures and their beliefs.
1: Well, and it's already happening, like in the ranches where our family, you know, my mom's from and stuff, there's already fights going on between the the, the Americanized, you know, people that were born in, in the ranch. And now they come, they come with it because, you know, they grow, grow up most of their life here. They go back and it's like uh, they had a fight over we we helped build ch- our church. It was a very small church. You could maybe fit, I would say maybe thirty people. And so now everybody wants to go and do their quinceañeras and their weddings out in the ranch. And so people didn't fit in the church. So the people here in America they got they got a group together and they said, hey, we're gonna build a church to a bigger church because we don't fit anymore. And the natives from the ranch were like, no, like we don't need a bigger church. It's just us, you know. And then <laughs> so there was that fight of, hey, you know, well, we, we're still from here. We, we are still natives from here, but we bring our families. And when we get together, we don't fit anymore. Like, we're going to pay for this. Why are you getting mad? And those are the types of fights that I think are going to happen more and more. You're not changing the culture. Yeah. You're just trying to include you know the ones that are trying to it. go back, and that's yeah. I guess
0: that's a, a challenge with between us and the rest of the world is preserving the culture that you have and the mm-hmm. good things about it, but also look, what, look what this can do. The American mm-hmm. way, like you start getting money involved in investment, and you're literally you're just mm-hmm. growing stuff like fucking planting a seed and putting water on it. Mm-hmm. It it grows, you know. So it's a tough challenge because you don't want to sacrifice the things that are good about the old culture, mm-hmm. but also, um, you know. Um, Take advantage of the benefits of everything we have: our technology, our ability to build better roads mm-hmm. or yeah. you know better buildings. Um, yeah,
1: over whatever there have you?
0: But it's it's like it shows you though that it's possible to live. You can survive with all the shit we without yeah. what we have here. Yeah. yeah,
1: those people survived for centuries. There's more
0: of them than there are here, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Well, I, I, well, that's what I don't know. I, I don't mean to. I didn't mean to say that so quickly. What mm-hmm. what I meant was like. I mean, or I don't know what the population of Mexico is but mm-hmm. in some of the larger cities like they're they're just out there living mm-hmm. when I was outside of Lee School, it appeared to be like tin and steel shacks in the hills in the mountains like
1: mm-hmm. no that's how it is and people are
0: they're living they're just living it's possible to survive nice. you don't have to have the fancy houses that we have here or the fancy buildings although that it values. is very very nice
1: yeah no they um, have different values it, to them is you know you know what I, I want family first you know even if we live in a little hut we're together you know we're not killing ourselves 10 yeah. hours a day, 12 hours a day.
0: The conflict, I think, for us would arise of the, like, doing it in reverse. Like, if mm-hmm. we grew up there, we would already know how to survive. We, that's just mm-hmm. how you live. You have your systems in place of, like, okay, we go get the water. We do this. We do that. But, if like, you take somebody here, the city slicker, and then you put them in a country environment. You're going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's a yeah but thing.
3: I think it also has to do with,
0: like. But I think if you took somebody from there to here, they'd be able to adapt. And be like, oh, wow, oh, look at all these things we have yeah. here. You oh, they can survive Airbnb. that's, that's all. <laughs> all
1: that's all you have all these immigrants surviving, and you know you have ten twelve people living together because they already were living in a two bedroom very small house with no you know running water no light you know that's why here they come here and they're living so many in one apartment. It's normal for them it's yeah that's that's just how life is, and it's even better because you you know have light and you have. You don't have a yeah. leaky roof. We could do
0: all that stuff that we were doing there together as a family, but do it here with the lights better, on and in the inside.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was hard, I think, for the people like our parents. My dad was here in the 60s. Um, he didn't know. There wasn't as much of the Mexican culture here um, when they first got here. You know, like, so they had to get used to the American food or, you know, the Italian food and all that. My dad, for a whole year, ate tuna because that's all he was, that's how he was able to communicate to the restaurant where he worked at. And so now, ask him if he eats tuna, he will not touch
3: it. And one of he, our uncles, chicken, right? He didn't know how to say anything else but chicken, so he ate chicken for a whole year. Because
1: he didn't know how to communicate. But, you know, they, they learned the language, and then they started. It's, it's <laughs> kind of funny. It's Yeah, it's crazy. But I don't know. I, I, I hope that both cultures learn how to. But, I was
3: going to say that I think it also has a lot to do with the fact that here in the United States, like, everything – you can own your house, but you still have to be paying taxes. Like, mm-hmm. and in Mexico, it's like you own your property and it's yours, and yeah. that also gives you room to be able to dedicate the time to what's important, which is
1: your family. There's taxes out there, but, but it's not like twenty dollars for the yeah. whole year. You know. Now the catch is mm-hmm. that you don't have the services that we have here. Right. Like, you need to call the ambulance over there. First of all, there is no ambulance. If <laughs> you know, have an emergency and somebody's trying to break into your house you know yeah but guns it's, are not legal over there you're not supposed to have any guns um you know so it's 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 good in a way and that, bad in a that's way that's why i said
3: it i said earlier is at the cost of what mm-hmm. but the thing is that they're still living they're still they figuring out it. a way to be able to make it without the services without w- the things that we have here and and to me i feel like it works mm-hmm.
0: you know it's interesting um that Mexico is one of the biggest trading partners of the United States of America if, if not maybe the number one and people mm-hmm. don't know that they're in the top like five for sure and apparently working with Mexico not only is geographically um, beneficial because we're connected to each other via land but also apparently the Mexican labor is more affordable than Chinese labor and it's also more educated. They're, uh, apparently Mexico is beating out of its competitors um, on multiple levels. And that's another thing that, may you know, I guess adds to the tension with China as well is, like, we're not even really going to need your bullshit, you know, after a while. Um, so, you know, interesting times there.
1: You know, uh, the whole immigrant and the illegals coming over here, uh, how they like to label it, a lot of what happened was the NAFTA agreement. I don't know if you've... If North people, American Free Trade Agreement. Yeah, yeah, and so that ruined a lot of the economy in Mexico because the people who had the upper hand was the United States. And so if you notice, if you look at the timeline of when they started, a lot of the immigration started, a lot of the people started coming over here, um, was because of that NAFTA agreement that, you know, it ruined their economies, the, the local economies out there. Yeah, the the big winners were the big corporations in Mexico, you know, the ones that had the big ranches. The one, but the little mom-and-pop businesses, you know, where they depended on the Mexican corn, that's the biggest, you know. Over there, it's cheaper for you to buy the American corn already, ready to give to your animals than to raise your own. It's cheaper to buy it already than then plant your...
0: In some situations, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And, I mean, and for and me, it's cheaper to pay for certain services or things than <coughs> to do it myself, I mean,
1: because mm-hmm.
0: otherwise we're just farmers, you know.
1: And so a, a lot of... I, I forgot what the percentage is in, in how much land there is in Mexico, like virgin free land where, you know, there's not a lot of housing development. Um, it's it's over. I think it's... I want to say maybe it might even be 90% of the country is still rural. I may be off, but... Um,
0: I mean, it's a pretty big land mass. So,
1: yeah, everybody over there, they'll give you land for free. They'll give it to you for free if you're Mexican national. They'll give it to you for free, and they want you... To develop it. To develop it, in, but to for agriculture. They will give, you know, because they're trying to keep their agriculture in-house uh, because there's so much, it's, it's just so much competition with the United States. You know, the, the farmers out here, the big ones... You can't compare the farming out here to Mexico. In Mexico, some of them, they're still using donkeys as, you know. And that's
0: what the government wants?
1: Uh, No. So now the government is, you know, changing a little to where they they are putting a focus on agriculture to stay in Mexico. You mean
0: big agriculture. Uh, Yeah. Because, like, in America, we have big pharma. We have big Mm -hmm. agriculture. Yes. We have big, um, you know, um, big war, big defense. Like, Mm -hmm. we have these giant, you know contractors uh, defense contractors um, you know for purposes yeah so you have those big industries so you're saying that Mexico is trying to make a shift to like big agriculture but
1: they, they actually I don't know if you heard but they Mexico already said we're not buying your corn anymore And that was the biggest. I think Mexico was the biggest, one of the biggest biggest purchasers of corn of corn of the American corn.
0: Yeah, we got a lot of corn here in America. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. One of the huge crops. It's everywhere. You Mm -hmm. you drive outside of cities, corn stalks growing.
1: Everything has corn. Corn syrup, corn whatever.
0: Yeah, everything. But I mean, Mm -hmm. from the tortillas to to you know cereal to all -hmm. sorts of other shit, they use corn for. But um, that's interesting because, from an economic standpoint of view whether you do something yourself or whether you do it for somebody else is usually a cost yeah. benefit analysis. That's why corporations if they if they can do it more cheaply in-house, they will do it in-house. But if it's cheaper for them to outsource it to somebody else, mm-hmm. they will do that. Mm-hmm. In Mexico's case, you know, are they doing it because it's cheaper to do it there the old way or just because they're giving a middle finger to the big agriculture and they're like we don't want this and we're not we we want like what what is it are they is it a calculated decision
1: to um. like now for the corn
0: yeah, that they're doing it in-house. Is it actually – or is it is it a cost choice where it's cheaper to, for them to do that? I wouldn't think it would be. I think be, they're but,
1: trying to shift to for it to become – right now it's not. It's not cheaper for them to – To make it themselves. Yeah, it's cheaper for them to buy the corn from the United but States. But
0: don't they have to become big agriculture to make it cheaper? Because don't they need a lot of the equipment and the big operations and systems in place that we have so, here in order to make it more affordable that way? Because so otherwise, I, if everybody's, – you're going to have an intense amount of labor that would it take to do what we do here a he, – and. A, a, an intense amount of labor to the mm-hmm. point where it's almost impossible to do what we do here with the machineries and systems we have in place over there. So
1: the government has been providing subsidies for mom-and-pop farmers. Um, they'll, you know, finance. So it's been something that, that that was little by little, you know, developing, but then the president came, AMLO, and the, pro, the social programs started becoming more available. And what happens was the programs were always there, but the minute that it trickled down to the local communities, it was already, a lot of the funding was stolen from the political people in place. And so at first you have to, the, the problem with Mexico is first you got to get rid of all the corruption so that the money gets, because there's, Mexico has a lot of money, and the problem is it gets stolen from the, you know, people you know that when it and
0: By the time it ever gets to the to local, local, local person, it's already been whittled out. down into nothing. Like yeah, they're everybody handing had out. their take yeah. along the way or something.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so I think this president has been trying to get rid of a lot of that corruption. But it's hard. It's, it's corruption of you know years, decades of corruption. It's
0: hard everywhere. It's hard here. Me, we, yeah. Where we live here Even in Chicago, there is a machine in place. There, exactly. is, there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like he, I saw the elections here where we're at. And like the winning candidate gets like eighty-eight percent of the vote, and the other one gets like twelve. Like there, there's reasons for that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to beat the system, mm-hmm. you know, that is in place. Right. Yeah,
3: and I think that this is another reason why these small communities learn to trust the cartels more than the government. Which is unfortunate because they actually help them.
1: They they say that El Chapo, um, he built the road where where we're at. Uh, they so in the federal government that road was built decades ago but it was not up until maybe like 12 years ago that that road was made but this road supposedly was already supposed to be a federal road along to like 50 60 years ago but you know the local the local government the state government stole that money never used it to what it was for And so, uh, because I guess El Chapo needed his people to be guarding, you know, they say. transporting and guarding, having routes of transportation. They say that he was (coughs) the one who built that that road. And it's.
0: Wouldn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. Um, My understanding is that there is a shift now that El Chapo is gone. Mm -hmm. And you have new generation Jalisco. Um. Yeah. Who is? They're ruthless. Yes, that's what they're saying. Like they were saying, El Chapo was kind of like a friend of the community, yes, like a man was. of the people. They're throwing parties and big feasts, and everybody's part of this, or they're doing things like that. And mm-hmm. new generation of Jalisco apparently is cutthroat as it comes, and they will kill mm-hmm. you. They will, they will send a message that like it's our way or no way. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't care if it's the grandma or the whoever. Like yeah, they're about control and power. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Apparently, one of the leaders within within the New Generation Lease School is more militaristic. I don't know if they had a military background or something. He was. He did. Yeah, yeah, the leader. For them, it's killing and war. That's all Mm -hmm. they know or something, which is crazy because who... So Sinaloa has been, um, I guess, diminished in Chapo's uh, absence and then mm-hmm. there's probably a power vacuum. Now, even his sons, I think, have been. Or, They're having an somewhere? internal fart. The, uh, uh, fight. That Yeah. yeah.
1: That uh, cartel is, is uh, Chapo's compadre is fighting against his kids. That's the fight between Okay, both. so it's Chapo, so,
0: Chapo's friend uh-huh. fighting against his kids, but then also now dealing the, with the new these generation. These
1: other cartels. Yeah, so it's making their cartels those are the two biggest, weak. right? Is it yeah.
0: Sinaloa and New Generation, Haleesla Right now or, it or? is. Yeah. yeah, and there's other ones. There's, there's smaller the regional ones and shit like mm-hmm.
1: that. Like in Laredo, like Texas, that whole sec, Laredo, Tamaulipas, that's another one. I forget. They're, they've changed so many times. Lasetas, I think, are in Tamaulipas, Texas border. Um, they're also ruthless. They they used to be the ruthless ones. Then Jalisco came in, you know, and they're trying to... But it's a whole... It's crazy, you know. Yes, you're right. Chapo's people, we're from Durango, and he's Chapo. chapel. We're one of the states that... We belong to him. It's Um, part of that territory. It's part of that territory territory. and I even the time that I lived there that was really bad with you know the cartels fighting each other because at the time in the area where we're from there was different cartels but they worked with each other and so when uh, I forgot what happened I am not too in tune with the fights between each other but I believe the Juarez cartel was there with us and the Chapo cartel wanted them out, and so they eventually got them out. But at one point, they were peaceful with each other, they were not, you know, fighting each other. And so they got them out. That's where all the killings were happening because they were, they advised them they needed to leave. And these people lived here for years, so they were like, We're not leaving, this is our home, you know, our business. And, uh, and so, so they put up fights. a fight, yeah, yeah and, and they eventually got rid of them. And so now you have the Jalisco Nueva Generación trying to come in through Zacatecas and our state borders Zacatecas on the <laughs> northern border. And so, you know, now Chapo's people start getting... My dad has some crazy stories with these cartels. Because he said one time they met up at our... Because our racetrack is um, kind of central to where Chapo's people on this side live. It's it's like kind of like... In
0: the like, middle of two places, you yeah. know. Yeah. Or it's two disputing factions. Th-
1: because you have, like, supervisors. You know, these cartels, they have... They're Captain very organized. people, yeah. Yeah, and so from the river this way is somebody in charge and the river that way somebody else is in charge so these guys have meetings you know a lot of these guys that are that are in charge you don't even know they exist um and so they sometimes they have meetings when they hear that the the cartel the Jalisco whatever is getting close you know they have meetings and one time they had a meeting and my dad's uh carril or the racetrack hey,
0: guys please keep it respectful but they
1: don't they don't they don't tell you hey we're gonna have a meeting here yeah, my dad says that, <laughs> oh shit
0: these motherfuckers are sitting there
1: my dad says he has cameras so he said all of a sudden he he saw all these trucks with you know with guns big guns and all of a sudden these all these guys started getting there and he's like what the heck is going on here like what what is this and then so my dad goes up to them like hey man what, what's going on here you know like they're like don't worry about it we're we're having a meeting. So what does my dad do? Okay, go back to my house. And what do you
3: tell people where big
1: machine guns pointing at each yeah. other? It's like you can't argue with them. Okay, have your meat, But they don't bother you, you know? See, this is the
0: interesting thing. Um, what we're talking about here right now is that we talk about a war between Ukraine and Russia, mm-hmm. and there is war going on in Mexico
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, amongst the people and the cartels there that is literally, it's connected to us. We mm-hmm. share a border. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going on right there. It's uh interesting how that works. Like the the thing that I don't like about war is that usually they're very good at getting into it, but they don't talk about an end point. There is no mm-hmm. discussion about what is the end of this, what does it look like, what is the vision for the end of it. It's only we get deeper, deeper entrenched because here war is a business. Mm-hmm. There's money to be Absolutely. made, there's resources to be gained. Absolutely. And it's like it, it's a sad part, is like I I don't know if I said this already when we were talking today, but I've been repeating this a lot lately. I feel like if we put the same amount of money and resources into discussing the end, a negotiated end to these things, we'd probably have it done already. But instead it's like we've taken our side and we're taking our stand and we're going to fuel it. We're going to add fuel to it, but we won't talk about ending it. How are we going to extinguish this? And, you know, the other guy who perhaps you'll meet, uh, Matt Thomason, who's in the military here, is like, he's talking about like you got to have something an end in sight but instead it's just continue it's, it's
1: very easy i'll tell you how you end it but pe- it's just corporate america is involved corporate america is involved and they're not going to stop it the number one source of the cartels their guns is the united states of america you know you have people buying guns at gun shows because they're not registered then you 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 meet people who make guns. I was listening to a podcast the other day. It was a guy who was a gun dealer for the cartel. He started the way he was doing it and so now you have these podcasts people are listening to how to do it and now so then you have those people trying to get involved in this business cuz a gun that you pay $200 for here over there they'll buy it for $2000. You know, so because guns are not legal in Mexico. And so where are these guns coming from? They're they're all American guns. And so if you stop you know, if you stop, if you legitimately tell the gun lobbyists or whatever, hey, how are these guns? H- how are these guns just slipping out of, you know, these big companies? You're, we're supposed to be tracking them, supposedly, right? So how are these guns <laughs> getting to? And I'm talking about big guns, you know, the the grenades the and all that, mm-hmm. the big AK 47s Yeah, and grenade
0: launchers, uh, bazookas. Yeah, fucking these are
1: military. Big,
0: yeah. AR fifteen fucking. So, so
1: the guy, th- there's another. There was a podcast that I was listening to. He was in the accountant for the cartel business. He's like, you know, the amount of money spent on, uh, you know, guns and all that. He's all like, that's what makes or breaks a cartel. The money. He's like, and you know how we get the money? We do. You know, we uh, steal it from people. Like if we don't, or the drugs or whatnot. So the minute that you stop providing those guns, you know, the, how are they gonna get ammunition? How, you know, you know what I mean? Like, but the thing is that the gun lobbyists here are so big that they're making so much money that you know they're not gonna. They're yeah, gonna stop I
0: mean, the, these major players—big insurance, big um, mm-hmm. defense, big all this bullshit—are yeah. the ones that, that control. the the law and policy in the country um through the people that we think
1: are supposed to be helping us yeah
0: they they have our that in in a perfect world would have our best interest in mind yeah then the question is okay well you know you have guns and you have a territorial dispute but is it really the war on drugs that is Mm -hmm. that is the problem here because in in the 80s um and, and you know i wish matt was here i don't in the eighties you know, I think it was under Reagan, the President Clark Reagan cocaine, at the time yeah. de- mm-hmm. declared the uh, war on declared the war on drugs. And mm-hmm. and so um and so um with the war on drugs, right? This war on drugs. It's made things illegal and then but there's still a demand for them. So mm-hmm. then the source is across the border and it's mm-hmm. coming here. But by making it illegal, like who are we really protecting by making these drugs illegal is it like the needle addict with the person who puts the needle in their mm-hmm. arm like is this who we're protecting because I feel that if you made like heroin legal or other drugs like that legal we wouldn't all just become heroin addicts tomorrow mm-hmm. we still have you know a family we have a job we have responsibilities um, but instead we've we've made it illegal to protect who this small segment of society mm-hmm. um, who who are addicts from illegal drugs that are now more dangerous because they're they're unregulated, and they come with things, other chemicals in there, and fentanyl mm-hmm. that's killing 100,000 people a year now and stuff like that is highly, highly dangerous in very small quantities, um, deadly in mm-hmm. very small quantities. So it's like, what are we really doing here by having this policy of, like, we're fighting drugs, we're fighting it. What, you've made it illegal here, and now we just get it from somewhere else, and it's it causes a war there, and it causes, you know, illegal, like, um, impurities that come into the drugs here and 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 we're like worse off for it like Mm -hmm. where where's the end to the war on drugs too they there's it's like we're we're fighting something and people it seems like they can't realize that it's not winnable Mm -hmm. like there's no real end game to the war on drugs i don't Mm -hmm. think you know but it's it's fueled what right isn't it it like there's money being made off the drugs now what i heard was that I don't know if it was Chapo or mm-hmm. who was more of a business person because they weren't only relying on drugs. There was other things Chapo, they were trying to yeah, do. Yeah,
1: it was El Chapo. Where, they had, yeah,
0: they had, like, other legitimate businesses, and this was yeah. just one of those things, mm-hmm. whereas some of the other cartels are only relying on the drugs, and that's all they care about. And it's all mm-hmm. territorial, and it's, you know what I mean? So that in and of itself is probably not a good thing either, that they're solely dependent on a drug trade.
1: You would hope, uh, so, you know... Uh, My father went to jail for, you know, being a drug dealer. But he was whining off of it. You know, he ended up, right before he got caught, he had a restaurant. He had a construction business. He was one of the founders of uh, La Garibaldi. I don't know if, you know, you've heard it right there on 26th Street. it's It's like an outdoor venue. And so my dad started with horse racing, and then he started bringing music, you know, getting involved. So he was one of the founders. He was one of the three founders of it. If the Mexican community will know what La Garibaldi is. And so he he was slowly getting away from that life because he finally had somewhere where he could, you know, make money. He was making decent money with, you know, construction business is, is good. And so you would hope that people, you know, would leave that, but sometimes it's like the own organization doesn't let you. Sometimes, you know, it's either you stay here or, you know, we get rid of your family. And a lot of these people, that's what ends up happening. You know, they're stuck, you know. You don't realize what you're getting yourself into until you're too deep in and you can't, you can't get out. Some people do it because of that. Some people stay, you know, in it because they just love it. They're not even in it for the money. They have all this money, but they just want the power. And my husband, he was, in, he went to jail, too, because he was uh, selling coke. And he says that, yeah, it's, sometimes it's just a power trip. But some people
0: it's a human condition of needing that or that that makes you feel good or it makes you feel makes you feel um, it
3: feeds your ego
0: yeah because you know I guess what do we get our human needs from you know what what are those sources well physical contact togetherness talking Mm. like what we're doing right now is a connection spending time with people but then there's also that that's why power is a such a powerful drug because it's one of these things that can so easily be used for the wrong way for for bad instead mm-hmm. of good, and it's it, it does feel good, it's a thrill right, mm-hmm. so that you have the ability to do this and it this you are at an advantage and it won't be challenged as much um those are the things that we have to fight I mean that's not the Lord's work, we know that shit right mm-hmm. um but uh yeah. I, as far as, like, the other the other problem, then, is if you do make these things legal,
2: Regular. I don't think that
0: everybody becomes a heroin addict or a cocaine addict tomorrow if it's legal. Um, however, more people will do it because the stigma is removed and you won't get in trouble. And, you mm-hmm. know, people know that if you, ha- if you do some cocaine, you're probably going to have a good time, right? You mm-hmm. know, you're going to... You're fucking party. You're gonna know, listen to music. You're gonna have, your inhibitions are gonna be gone, and you're gonna fucking drink more too, because mm-hmm. you know you get sobered up by the cocaine, and then you're fucking drink no, more No, and then you and blah, still blah, blah.
1: and then you still have like the underage drinking and the underage smoking. You know, you, then you still have that group of people that mm-hmm. don't They're understand. They're gonna do it no matter what. Yeah. You know,
0: you have these teenagers that are doing cocaine and shit. Ch- yeah. You know, or whatever drugs they get their hands on. Yeah. Anyway, um, the thing the thing about it is though, then you have the opposite problem here in America where once like marijuana is legal, it's taxed so fucking high that you're paying about half
2: of of the purchase
0: price in Mm -hmm. taxes alone. So it's a price distortion. Like this good does not actually cost this much, but the government wants to get fat like a fucking pig Mm -hmm. off of the money that's coming in.
1: So then they end up buying it. Which is a lot of
0: money, but also not a drop in the bucket for what they need here anyway. They're talking about, oh, we made a couple hundred million last year Mm -hmm. um, on weed sales and revenue. Oh, what a great source of revenue. Well, yeah, but we have like $200 billion of debt in, in the state of Illinois, between the money we owe our state workers for their pension, pension uh, contributions so that they can mm-hmm. retire and, and at, at a nice level, if, if it's $200 billion, right? It's 150 for the pensions and, and roughly $50 billion for Blue Cross, Blue Shield mm-hmm. healthcare obligations. So it doesn't matter if they make hundreds of millions of dollars on fucking weed sales, it. but it makes it expensive for the average person that mm-hmm. wants to try it. So then if they make it legal, they fucking give you still incentive to go to your, your neighborhood there, dealer yeah. to, to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just hope that a lot of the the people that sell weed legally are actually getting it from California or getting it in places where it's grown in basically the same places that the mm-hmm. fucking that you're getting it from you know the same fields or the same facilities mm-hmm. where you're buying the stuff from at your dispensary you're just not paying all those taxes yeah. so
2: basically and you're, they you're just, getting
0: you're getting more for less yeah. and you're making the local support local business <laughs> yeah. right you're making a uh-huh. local guy rich you yeah. know or whatever or help him fucking, he you know buy diapers for his kids or whatever you
3: know yeah, yeah they basically shit, they folks. created a demand for it to be bought illegally that's what they did by legalizing marijuana In general,
0: well, by taxing it so high, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, Uh it's like, guys, don't be too greedy. The problem is they're greedy here too. It's the same. Mm -hmm. It's corruption in a different form. We don't have maybe the same violence, Mm -hmm. but um, it's the same evil spirit. It's from the same cloth. It's Uh just done in different ways here. But it's good that we're talking about this. I mean, and so far, you know. Um, we'll probably circle into your actual business. Um, <laughs> I was just gonna
3: say. For. Well, the good thing is that we got
1: the entrepreneurship spirit from our father. So my sister, and my, has... my father is a very—he uh, will make a business out of selling uh, rocks in Mexico. So, <laughs> so, what are they? Say? I mean, rocks, not There's like a saying about good salesmen. <laughs>
0: they would sell. Um, what is this saying? It's like they would sell dirt to a dirt farmer or something like yeah, that. Uh, like they're just so good at selling that they could sell you like you guys ever see The Wolf of Wall Street?
1: Yes, I saw it.
0: Do you remember where he talks about the pen?
1: How? And he's like, sell me this pen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember. I don't remember the exact words, but I remember. sell
0: me this pen. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, it's a very nice pen. It has this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And and then he goes, fucking write me a note. And he's like, I don't have a pen. He's like, Here's one. He's like, yeah, I just sold the a or whatever. Yeah. whatever the fuck he does. <laughs> yeah. This is cool. That was a it's good, like, it's yeah. supply and demand, idiot. You need yeah. to make them think that they need it that or they have it. to have it yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So those good salesmen can like you that, know, sell you. You know, whatever.
1: that's a constant fight that me and my husband has have, have uh, with our business. My brother tends to be. My brother's the one with the knowledge, um, the he, experience. He, the experience. He had the experience with. You know, he started as a dispatcher and then he moved on to being a driver. Um, I just came in because it was during the 2008 crash and you know i was going to school for interior design and i needed a job and i needed to pay for you know my apartment so my brother said hey come work over here so then i got involved in it and i i I find it uh to be i i'm a i tend to be on the social end of things um i still haven't figured out why you're
0: really good at this and this is the first time you've ever done it Ready? And you've also taken on my mannerisms, too. <laughs> very cordial having this nice sorry. conversation. All no, no, no. Be sorry about nothing. The sound of your voice is going to come through very good to people who oh, listen to this. You. And yourself included. You should go back and listen to it later just to hear all the things we talked about, oh, how then. you articulated things, yes. the fun moments and laughs that we had. But, yeah, you're very good at this. Uh-huh. Thank you. I
1: appreciate that. Your, your
0: social skills are right up there. And I, 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 you know what's crazy?
1: Girl. You know what's crazy? That I. I Sometimes I'm at home. I'll, I'll be at home for a week. a whole, I will not leave. I'm a hermit at home. But any dispatchers in, in or anybody that's involved with customer service will say the same thing. After you're 9 to 5, you don't want to talk to anybody. So You talk to so many different people, so many different attitudes, so many different I anybody. I deal
0: with it here, too, all yeah. the different types of clients I have, the needs they have, the problems that I have to help them solve and shit. You, you need to disconnect from that. Uh,
2: yeah, You have absolutely. your own problems, your own shit to worry about. Oh, my God,
1: tell me about it. So, yeah, I, me and my husband – He's the he's the like money maker. He he will go through great you know, things, to money, 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 and I'm and it's crazy because I'm not about I'm not about the money. I'm you know as, as long as I have enough money to pay for my bills, I'm okay with that.
0: <coughs> I'm the exact same way. We're from the same cloth. Yeah, so, I I don't. I don't know, the accumulation of wealth or, or nice things. Is, I just enjoy the life's experiences and not
1: stressing about having to pay bills. With it, I'm exactly. At. If it, And and to a certain extent, he's the same way. He's not the type of person that will, you know, like, ignore us for a very long period. He will because he has a risk. But like you said, he's enslaved to the – he's a mechanic. He's – by trade, he's a Volkswagen technician. And so that's where his background came in as a co-owner because he was a mechanic. And you know, in the trucking industry, for you to make it, you either have to be a mechanic, you have to be a driver, or you have to be the dispatcher. One of those three, otherwise, or a combination of the three, or a like combination, combination, which yeah. is the perfect mix that they have. Yeah, we have the, the all three. Per- the uh-huh, experience. My brother has experience. I eventually uh-huh. gained the experience, but nowhere near what my brother. My brother has hands-on. I've yeah. never been a truck driver. I would like. You
0: are part of the glue that holds it all together. Yes, Yes. you have your. Everybody has a role that they are good at, their strength that they use, and you all complement each other.
1: And it's crazy because because you know we were just talking about that right on our way over Mm -hmm. here. We we mesh so well to meet my brother, my husband, and myself. And I'm very grateful for my husband because he he gets along really good with the whole family. And he's a very hard person to get along with because he can be very offensive sometimes. You know, he doesn't have a filter. (laughs) And sometimes he says things that are, you know, like, hey, man, that was a little out of hand, you know. But. That's but even
3: that's important because sometimes you need to be like that. Yeah. That's why I said it's such a good mixture of everything.
1: So we've we've learned we've learned how to stay away from each other whenever we know that each other. Lisette has her own business and and what she was doing because at the time you had the consulting yeah for home care.